Fit like him, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're going to be chatting with Dave Perry from Wheelie Good TV. But first, as usual, a quick shout out for the sponsors. As usual, we're sponsored by Enov. Now, Enov do motorcycle dash cams. They've got single systems like the C5. I've got a video on that one from a few years ago. And they also do dual camera systems, the K-series. Original was a K2. I did a review on that. Then they've now moved to the K3 and now the flagship K5, which is the one I'm running on my bike at the moment. K5 is a 4K camera at the front, 1080 at the rear. The K3 is 1080 all round. Both the K3 and K5 have got external remotes, they've got Wi-Fi so you can integrate them with an app, Uh, they have GPS trackers, awesome bits of kit folk, totally fit and forget, as soon as you switch the engine on they start recording and you're totally covered. Uh, I know from past experience, sadly, if you're involved in an accident, the first thing that's asked is, do you have CCTV? And if you have one of these fitted, you can turn around and say yes. Obviously, that may not be in your favour. However, generally it is. Head to inov, I-N-N-O-V-V dot co.uk forward slash TP1 for some more information. When you deal with them, don't forget to tell them Teapot sent you. We're also sponsored by Ultimate Add-ons. Now, I've got a bit of blurb to read out here. Ultimate Add-ons are the premium manufacturer of mobile phone and action camera mounting solutions for motorcycles. With a kit for any bike and a proven track record of creating products to keep your devices safe, secure, and easily accessible, the Ultimate Add-ons product range is ideal for any rider from the commuter to the -the round-the-world adventurer. Why shell out on an expensive GPS system when you could use your smartphone, keeping it charged and within reach to take photos of your travels at the same time. Ultimate add-ons, waterproof, shockproof and dustproof tough cases are available for all flagship smartphone models and are designed by riders for riders. Find out why Ride Magazine gives Ultimate add-ons their coveted Best Buy certification. Keep riding this winter with Ultimate add-ons. It's all about the journey. Now folks, I use the case for my phone. I've got the iPhone 11 Pro. They do all different types of phones plus a generic case uh, for them. Once you've got the actual case for your specific phone, you also have to get some sort of mounting solution. Now the only one I can vouch for is the one I use all the time. That's the helix strap mount you'll find that in the pedal cycle section but for me it's the best one for the motorbike as well there's loads of giving it it's not a rigid sort of mounting solution i've had zero issues with the camera when i use this Uh, that is the one i recommend head to ultimateaddons.com and don't forget to use code teapot1 with the number 10 teapot110 for 10 percent off We are also sponsored by the Influencer Store. The Influencer Store helps you build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop them an email at online at influencerstore.co.uk for more information and don't forget to tell them teapot sent you folks if you head to my store for any of the merch at teapot1.com all of the merch there is handled by the influencer store i went with them because they're british because they do really good quality stuff and uh, the customer care is spot on i used to use Spreadshirt, uh, teespring all these sorts of places but to be honest with you the quality of items was was rubbish this one 
much better. Head to the Influencer Store. Lastly, a massive shout out to all of you folks who've been listening to the podcast, sharing it, telling everyone about it, watching the vids over on the YouTube channel. A huge thank you to you. That is a massive support to me here. I couldn't be doing this without you. And those of you over in the clan who've gone that extra mile on Patreon, literally, I could not do this without all of your support. So a huge thanks from me. All right, folks, let us crack on with this week's podcast with Wheelie Good TV. Um, Dave, uh, I've started recording straight away, but we can start this whenever you want, mate. I mean, we've had a quick chat on yours anyway. Um, yeah, do you yeah. want to chat about a few things before we go, or are you happy just to crack yeah, on? Ha- happy to go straight into it. Good to see you. Uh, uh, for, a, for, uh, for a moment this afternoon, I thought to myself, God, is this live? Uh, and then no. uh, I, re- uh, no, I realised it's not obviously so. No, so that's even better. The, the reason I ask actually, Bruce, is because I've been living in Ireland so many years now. Occasionally in conversation, I might drop the uh, drop the odd feck in. So, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> so, that's quite. So right. that's why I was. So I was wondering if it was all right. And then I realised no, I think it's a pre-record, so we're good. We're good. It is, mate. Am it's, I it's looking at very... the right place? Am yeah, I yeah, yeah. In no right problems. Place here, Bruce? Tell you why, I'm doing this on my phone for the first time. I normally use the laptop, but the laptop I've got is antiquated. The camera on it is absolutely shite. And they see what I mean about the swearing? Uh, and <laughs> at, this time, right. at, this, at this time of year, when it's dark and no ambient light and everything, literally, I'm literally a fuzz on the old Zoom calls. So, so anyway, it's good. You can see me, I can see you, and you can hear me. Nothing can go wrong. Well, we'll test that one. Let's crack on. <laughs> Folks, welcome back to this episode of Brew Time. And we have Dave Perry, otherwise known as Wheelie Good TV. How are you, man? I couldn't be better. I have to say, uh, sorry, I'm jumping in already. I should wait for you to ask me my first question. No, no, feel free, but, man. Uh, this is just a conversation. It's not an interview. It's just a conversation. So, brilliant. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a fan of these podcasts, especially when I'm on a long drive in the car. Uh, you see, and my wife knows that I listen to a lot of them. Uh, and uh, I, I told her last week when you'd been in touch with me, I said, geez, I said, Bruce, T part one, I said, he's been in touch, wants me to be a guest on the old podcast. And she said, Jesus, he must be running out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can always rely on your loved ones to give you that extra yeah, bit yeah. of support, can't you? Absolutely, right, absolutely. I'm just going to put the do not disturb thing on my my uh, computer, otherwise it'll be ding-donging all the way through. Right, Very Dave, good. so obviously you, you've listened to these before, you know the format. Um, I check yeah. out my socials, I ask people to leave some questions, and we, we generally have a chit-chat and work our way through them and just see where the conversation takes us. Let's do it. Let's do right. it. Right. Well, being a feral Celt, I'm uh, I'm sure you come suitably lubricated for the evening's entertainment. Well, I have, but there's a twist with mine. So obviously, living in Ireland, it's yep. a state drink Guinness. Yep. But this is the one with the twist. This is the new one, the zero percent alcohol. Wow! I, I, Never seen the, that. On a, Honest, Bruce, it's unbelievable. The reason I'm drinking this tonight is because I'm going out later to get the Indian takeaway. So you can <laughs> no you, you can do that with this, obviously. And um, so many other people have said this that it sounds like I'm sponsored by Guinness here. I've just realised, <laughs> but it's the closest to a fully alcoholic drink, the non-alcoholic version that I've ever ever tasted. I'll um, have to try that. Ab- go. It's absolutely amazing. You will not know the difference. 
between a real pint of this or a real can of this and a zero percent alcohol one. It's unbelievable. And I drink a lot of uh, low alcohol. I drink a lot. Because yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I should have just left it there after I said I drink yeah, yeah. a lot. No, no. I drink a lot of low alcohol stuff because of where I live in the middle of nowhere and because I'm always on the road and whatever else, uh, you know. So, uh, and, and you know yourself, it never tastes like the... The real yeah. version does it, uh, no, but this gin is stuff. Right. Honestly, in fact, if anybody else is watching that, it's amazing. I've stocked up on that actually over Christmas. I've four kids, so I'm always on the road. Uh, as is my wife. We are, you know, taxi drivers in our spare time uh, with four <laughs> kids. You know how it is. So, so this th- this is honestly a lifesaver because it feels as I'm still able to have a drink, but zero percent. Right. Cheers. Slange. Great to, to see you. Slange. Right. Okay then, mate. Um, well, I reckon there are loads of questions, but I reckon we just have a chat first, and because you've you seem to have led a very interesting life. Can I just pass it over to you initially, just oh, to God. say, you yeah. what's your name, where do you come from, what you do? Yeah, sure. I was, uh, you might not think I've had an interesting life at the end of this chat. So, uh, <laughs> well, my name is Dave Perry. Uh, really good TV, over and out. That's my little end catchphrase. As anybody <laughs> tuning in who knows me will know that. Don't even. I don't even know where I got that or where that came from. The the over and out thing. What? I am. I was into CB radios when I was a kid, and I think it, it comes from that. Uh, right. Dave Perry, uh, jo- Geordie, born and bred. In case you're wondering. I've got a weird mashup of an accent going on. Uh, lived in Ireland for the last 18 years. In fact, the first time I came to Ireland, uh, sorry, before I digress, this is the thing, you know, I go off on tangents and then come back to your original question. Uh, so before I digress, I'm a television cameraman, worked with the BBC in England, um, and I work with RTE and a lot of other people here now in Ireland. So I've always been freelance. So I think you said on one of your social media posts, I was a BBC cameraman for 35 years. I was technically, but I've always worked on a freelance basis. So with BBC, they they renewed my contract every three years. And then they offered me a staff job, actually. Uh, At the same time that I met my Irish wife, uh, I met her at a Christmas party, a BBC Christmas party over in England. Uh, Mm. And at the same time, uh, the BBC were offering me this staff job and everything. I didn't really want to take that. I loved variety. I had a few other ideas up my sleeve at the time. And I didn't particularly like the path I was going down with the BBC. I didn't particularly enjoy uh, uh, the, the route I was taking there. So I needed a break. The Irish woman came on the scene as well, and I just thought, wow, this is unbelievable. Just when you think you're at a crossroads, and then uh, something came along, and off I went. But uh, So back to the accent. I told you I'd digress. So back to the accent. I'm going to have to make notes here. Yeah, I'll never forget the first time I came over to Ireland to meet the in-laws. I'll come back to that later on, because that that was a scary story. And uh, 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 my wife... Oh, my girlfriend at the time, she had the flu, you see. And uh, so she was staying in bed for a couple of days over. uh, We were staying with her parents, you see. And uh, I thought, well, sod this. I'm in Dublin for the first time. I'm going out to see what the Guinness is like. I'd heard all about the Guinness uh, in Dublin. And uh, I went into Temple Bar, famous tourist area, of course, in Dublin. No, well. Got a pint of Yeah, absolutely. So I had my first pint of real Guinness in Ireland being poured for me. And I'm chatting away to the barman and he's staring at me. And I'm chatting away and I'm thinking, this guy's really hostile. Uh, you know, uh, what I didn't realize is that my my Geordie accent was so broad at the time that nobody in Ireland could understand me. <laughs> and he finished pouring the pint. He finished pouring the pint and he put it on the counter and he looked up at me and he said, 
where the fuck are you from? <laughs> <laughs> so when I, to- when I told him I was a Jordian from Newcastle, blah, 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 I said, oh my God, he says, I've heard all about you guys. He said, I finished, this is no word of lie. He said, I finished my shift in 10 minutes. He said, are you going to have a few paints? We went off on the piss together the whole afternoon. The bar changed the first club I went into. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It was brilliant, brilliant fun. Whilst my wife, our girlfriend then, was lying in bed with the flu. <laughs> and that's one of the, and again, we'll come on to this later, I'm sure, but that's one of the reasons I went home to uh, to, to Mrs. Perry, as I'll refer to her as, uh, and say, oh my God, I love Ireland, the people, everything, you know. In fact, of all of the places I go to, one of the things which appeals to me most is the people. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so that's the, that's the long version of, who am I? Where am I from? And whatever it was, yes. About right. I'm gonna have to keep reins on Sorry you, Dave. That. I can see. Sorry, no worries, no worries. So it's the alcohol. <laughs> we only just started. That's that's non-alcoholic as well. Right. So let's go back. What got you into being a cameraman? I mean, right, how did that is, come about? Yeah, this is a bit of an easy one. My dad um was a press photographer. Mm. So I grew up all of my life. My dad was a press photographer for the Sun newspaper uh, in England. Uh, So I grew up um, all of my life, you know, under that sort of uh, cloud of whenever the phone rang in our house as kids, I really, I was bitten by the bug because if it rang sort of after nine o'clock at night, we knew it was a big, important story for my dad to go off on and everything, you know. And I loved that whole buzz of the not knowing, I suppose, watching me dad going off to different big stories and everything. In fact, uh, not so nice, but I remember the evening of the Lockerbie disaster, mm, the Pan Am yeah. jumbo jet, which was blown yeah. up over. Uh, and my dad got the call about that at nine o'clock at night, uh, way before pages and, you know, mobile phones and whatever. Uh, and because we lived in the northeast of England, obviously Lockerbie happened on the other side of the country. So my dad had to keep stopping at pubs to make phone calls to the news mm-hmm. desk in London. And by the time he got over to Lockerbie, well, he was first told early reports were it was a Cessna um, which had oh, crashed wow. into a pe- which had crashed into a petrol station. All right, mm-hmm. bad enough. By the time he hit Lockerbie. Obviously, uh, uh, no need to mention the devastation yeah, yeah. which unfolded Absolutely. then. And uh, it was that, I think it was that, that really, the Lockerbie thing happening to me, Dad, was because we lost Dad over Christmas. It happened, obviously, uh, two weeks before Christmas, from what I remember. My Dad was gone for a month. We lost Dad. But we knew Dad was coming home mm. uh, after finishing photographing that news story, you know. His photographs went all over the place, obviously. Massive news story. And I think it was that moment which defined, you know, what I, uh, which defined what my buzz was watching my dad going off on the side. I, I thought, my God, to be able to inform the world through pictures yeah. or through some sort of medium what's happening uh, with the news, I think it was that which made me think, I'm going to do that. Uh, mm. And I uh, and I went about uh, chasing that. But my first job, I don't know, what year did Lockerbie happen? Was it 1989 or something? Uh, um, I'm thinking I was still I, at primary school, like 87, 86, something like that. Uh, that know. might fit Whatever even better uh, because my first job around the same time as that, I was working in a, a clothes shop. 
in what was then called the Metro Centre. I think it's still called the Metro Centre in the northeast of England, Gateshead. Mm. And my job, uh, and I had only just left school, but my job was to stand at the front door and smile at the customers. Now, I'd right. already already had it in my head, as I've just explained, what I wanted to do. And Margaret Thatcher was in the shopping centre that day, officially opening the Metro Centre, which was then Europe's largest shopping centre. And I was stood at the front door, smiling at the fucking customers, thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Is this what the rest of my life's going to be? You know? yeah, 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 and Mar- yeah. Margaret Thatcher walked past the front door and uh, she was flanked by camera crews and boom microphones and everything. And I was watching the cameramen, the television <laughs> cameramen. Now, I, I, I always thought I might go into photography like photography, my dad. Yeah. Um, but when I saw the television cameramen, I just thought, all right, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And no word of a lie, I packed in my notice in the shop that afternoon. And I, uh, I set about becoming a television cameraman. And less than a year later, uh, I was a trainee cameraman within a video production. Uh, production company the amount of things which happened then which led me down that path chance things which like all the planets aligned basically yeah. which led me yeah, down yeah. that path and the people i met and the people i helped so yeah i'm thinking i must have been around 18 at the time so i was a trainee cameraman for this video production company stayed there a year i obviously had something some sort of uh, uh, talent or gift because then the local bbc which was a brand new regional station just being built they started hiring me from the video production company uh, and then it wasn't wow. long that was going on for another year or so and then the local bbc uh, said to me listen it would be more beneficial for us if we paid you directly and you came to work for us on a full-time basis on, on a freelance contract uh, but we'll renew your contract every three years and uh, you know if you need the production company rather than us having to book you through them and whatever else now uh, 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 trying to think exactly what age I was then 20 years old I think that to me then was like winning the lottery yeah and I'll never yeah, yeah. forget they gave me a contract, a three-year contract, and I, I had to go to the bank then and buy the camera equipment, which I'm, I'll never forget it. It was £60,000 sterling. God, and back then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, back then, £60,000 sterling. Uh, back then. And I didn't even have my own house. I barely God. had my own car. And I walked into the bank looking for a loan of 60 grand, you know, and uh, I, of course I got laughed at. And then I showed them the contract. The money was in the account a week later. Mm. Unreal. So that's how it happened. Blimey, uh, so, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but the price of camera equipment now, I'm sure we'll come on to something like that <laughs> later on. But, oh, no, I, I'm changing for camera formats again for a big job I have coming up next year. And it's just oh, a so you're still doing it. Price. You're still doing the freelance stuff now? Oh, very much, very much. Yeah. No, I'm no, absolutely bread and butter. Still very yeah. much a, a tele- television cameraman. It's in my blood. It's in me makeup, it's in me jeans. So no, I I I I love uh, I love doing what I do. So it's weird what you said um earlier there about how the stars aligned, you know, when when you yeah. decided that's what you were gonna do. I, I found that that when when you when you set your mind on something and you know, you know in the deepest part of your soul that that is what you're meant to be doing, things just as long as you keep going and, you know, you're going to get adversity, there's going to be roadblocks along the way. But as long as you just keep going and figuring out your path, it, it happens, doesn't it? Things, people come into your life that open doors, opportunities present themselves. 
it's just um, it's, it's weird in life how these things happen. I've been fascinated by this, Bruce, all my life as to why things work out. Mm. No, not everything works out. Um, but the things that I really want to happen and the dreams that I really chase, touch wood so far, have worked out. But only up until about 10 years ago um, did I start hearing of something called mindfulness and the power of mm. now. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't yeah, want yeah. to get too deep, too quick. But, <laughs> uh, but but when books started coming out on mindfulness and the power of now and all of this sort of stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I had a, a slight interest in sort of that, that sort of crack because I'd heard about it. And when I read a couple of books about it, actually, that's exactly what's been happening to me all mm-hmm. my life. When I really want something like there's cars, there's motorbikes I've really wanted, cars uh, that I've really wanted through my life. And I've done everything to make that happen. The same with a woman. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I, it, it, it's ridiculous how it works out, but it, it all comes down to that mindfulness and the power of now. So, so, it, so, so. It, it is. If you if you have a positive frame of mind, then yeah, as we just touched on there, you make use of all the opportunities that present yourself. And if you're not in a positive frame of mind, I think maybe sometimes you don't. You maybe don't recognize those opportunities when they present themselves, or you just give up. You know, whereas when yeah. you've got that positive frame of mind and you're driving, you just keep going, and it will happen, won't it? It's just I'm not going to say that whatever yeah. you set your mind on will happen because it's got to be no, it's got to be attainable. It's got to be realistic for you. You know, not saying yeah. you know you want to go to the moon, then by all means you go for it. You set yourself on it, and if you're right for that position, you'll make it. You will do it. Just keep going, keep going, and you'll make it. But you know, you've well, got to be realistic well, about things, haven't you? No, you're dead right. But like, percentage-wise, more works out than doesn't work out. Absolutely. You know, uh, 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 for myself, if you do set your goals. Like, I mean, for instance, my YouTube channel. You know, yeah. I'm 51 years old. Last year when I started it, at 50 years old, I thought, ah, oh, Jesus, this is, what am I doing this for? You know, especially after being behind the camera for 35 yeah, yeah. years or whatever it's been. You know, why the hell am I doing this? And it's just something I fancied doing for years and years. Uh, you know, I've always been known as a bit of a showman anyway, you know, and uh, I, I love getting up and doing a bit of singing and all that crack. So come on to that later as well. Um, but when I started the YouTube channel last year, I I thought to myself, right, if I'm going to do it, I've got to give it the best shot, the best crack. Now, whilst I might not know enough uh, about motorcycles like everybody else I'm, I'm learning and I know all about the bikes that I want to know about uh, I've been into bikes all my life again another thing I keep saying I'll come back to it later I should just stick with one subject rather than dancing around it's going to be a nine but, hour uh, podcast at this rate isn't yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah but uh, but when I started the YouTube channel last year well I suppose it's a good mantra for anybody like if you're going to do something try and do it right or to the best of your ability absolutely so, uh, yeah be you so so i'm really surprised at how well the youtube channel has gone and can i say at this stage actually early in our interview here bruce i love this community it's just phenomenal yeah. and uh, without blowing smoke as well i mean um, i would consider yourself and richie and andy at the top of the tree, the top of your game, doing what you're doing with the That's motor blog and on the, um, you know, on the uh, YouTube platform. And unlike my business, the television uh, uh, production side of things, people have got a little bit protective, I've noticed, over the last certainly 10 years. 
because mm. things budgets have become tighter. People uh, are buying equipment, are going out fighting for the same jobs, and everybody's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of protection, uh, you know, going on where people might not have helped uh, as much as they would have, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. And one thing which really surprised me about the whole YouTube thing is that. You three guys, first of all, uh, you, you know, all jumped on the bandwagon. Andy was messaging me saying, love your channel and, you know, whatever else. And I know we spoke last year. Uh, Andy mm -hmm. was asking all about why does your pictures look so good? <laughs> you know, uh, why, why is your production level so high, basically? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's uh, – and I couldn't believe this because I was already tuning into you guys with all these hundreds of thousands of followers and whatever else. <sighs> Uh, and and I, I just find it really refreshing. So um, so thanks first of all for that. That's Huge no, thanks no for that. Uh, I think uh, on YouTube then, it's sorry to interrupt. I think with with YouTube because because it doesn't cost anybody any money to watch your stuff. You know, as a viewer, you don't pay to watch a video. So yeah, the, the 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 sort of the mind frame I've got towards it, and I know Andy and 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 uh, Rich and Lamb Chops, everyone I know is is the same. In the certainly in the yeah. motorcycle world, that you, you know we we've we've been at this ten years or so, and you learn mm. stuff as you go. So it's mm. what's the point of seeing someone whose content you look at and you think that's good content, but you know they need to they need a few tips as to what I've learned over the last 10 years, you just, why let them go through 10 years of, of lessons? Just, there you go. This is what I've learned. Crack on, just go for it. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't harm us in any way. I think maybe uh, I, it's beginning to now because it's becoming, I, I think the PR companies and the manufacturers, they're definitely switching on to YouTube in particular, Instagram, um, uh, TikTok, yeah. not so much yet, but they're definitely switching on to that so you're starting to see the there's various different niches developing within you know the influencer sort of market for sure I'd, so i know i've i've definitely seen that shift without a doubt in fact i've just come back from the motorcycle live show i got back last night you were over mm. there last week i think when that's right weekend, and i yeah. i i noticed that um that whole shift towards people uh, vlogging you know, and I was asked a few times when I was on stands, you know, uh, doing the old piece of camera. I've got a small video just coming out uh, about my five favorite bikes from the show. Uh, mm. That'll be out within the next day or two. But when I was doing the old bits, I stood on the stand and doing the bits, like all the people who were working on the stands were coming up and asking what the name of my channel was and everything. And yeah, I just yeah, thought, yeah. wow, that's unbelievable. Uh, you know, you would never have seen that. Somebody stood with a phone even five years ago you'd think amateur leave him leave him at it he's taking a few holiday snaps but now it's oh, serious business definitely i mean i i yeah. would say probably up until the last year before covid really so probably 2019 i think was the first time at the shows where you were even taken seriously if you were wandering yeah. around with with a camera and you weren't like a proper film crew before that yeah. you know i've been doing it for years before that and um Literally, folk would laugh in your face. People would just manufacturers, people on stands would just laugh in your face. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's just the way it was. But now everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and I can see, I totally see that. Actually, my eldest son came with me. He's nineteen years old, 
And I brought him with me just so it would look a little bit more professional on the stands. And uh, even though I was shooting everything on the iPhone, I've just upgraded to the iPhone 13 Pro Max. Um, And if you want, we can talk about the camera within that phone. It's just unbelievable because that's the way I see technology going away from the Mm. big television cameras that I use. I mean, to be able to go to a show and record everything on your phone is phenomenal. It's yeah. unbelievable. But I built a rig for it. So I had the proper handheld stabilizing rig for the phone and everything. Uh, radio mic system going into it, the whole thing. And then, uh, so uh, unfortunately, we ended up, um, well, my son ended up having a few too many beers the night beforehand <laughs> in the hotel we were staying. We ended up in the casino until three in the morning. This was his first big night away to any sort of show with his dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up in the casino until three in the morning and he spent most of the day at the bike show yesterday puking up. So there I was <laughs> by myself with my iPhone in my hand looking like exactly what I didn't want to look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wait, I know that casino well. We ended up in the sports bar next to it till about two o'clock in the morning when on the Saturday yeah. night I was up there with the motorbike TV lot. God. Right. Yes. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Sunday yeah. was <laughs> Sunday was quite uh, Hazy, yeah, uh, and in, I had to endure Sunday. <laughs> boys right, will be uh, boys, exactly. Yeah, Dave, I'm very conscious that we've got a lot of questions here, and I know we'll go off on various tangents as we go through the questions. So, um, how about we crack they, on? Because otherwise, are, we'll are be these actual hours. questions. Are these questions from people actually writing in? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought yeah. they'd be none. I I, I thought you were going to say so there's there's actually no questions Dave sorry about that but great to chat to you and I'm off to get the takeaway curry (laughs) no mate there's always questions literally the questions are the backbone of these of these podcasts you know without that I think I'll probably dry up very quickly but um Right, let's go uh, the first ones, which is over on my clan and patrons. Patreon.com forward slash teapot one. First one, Harley. How's it, guys? What talent would you show off in a talent show? Oh, I'm a singer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, uh, listen, I'll get up on a sixpence. I'll get up at the Are drop you of a hat. singer or do you just think you're a well, singer? <laughs> well, this is the thing. I've sort of lost the voice over the last few years. That's my excuse anyway. But, uh, but I actually. Uh, not too long ago, when was it? 2010, I auditioned for The X Factor. Wow, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've sang all my life. I've been in club bands in the northeast of England. Uh, so, And I've been singing since I was, oh my God, 13, 14, in bands constantly, all the way through my teens and up through my 20s. The problem was I could never stick in a band long enough because I was always away filming yeah. uh, on, a, on assignment. But and I always say the last band which I packed in, I packed in for health and safety reasons because we were so shite. I was sick of getting beaten up. So, <laughs> what's what's so, your song so, then? What is what is your song when you've got to get up and sing? Mustang Sally. Oh, beautiful. Mustang Sally. That is my song. And everybody who knows me on the film crew, wherever we are in the world, I've sang it in some incredible places. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and actually, a lot of the crew that I work with now, they know that they have to get up, especially the female uh, members of the crew. They have to get up and do the dancing and the ride, yeah, Sally yeah, yeah. ride, the back and forth. <laughs> so we we have a perfect, and I even sang it on my wedding day to my wife uh, with Brilliant. the band uh, and had everybody doing the ride, Sally ride. I love that crack, love that crack. So yeah, I, I, I possibly think, well, I definitely think I'm, I've still got it. 
but I, I, I don't. But, but back then, 10 years ago, honest to God, no fear. I love it. And I'd still get up and sing anyway. So. Go on then. You, you said you've done it all over the place. What would you say is the most obscure place you've sung then around the world? Um, it, it's easy. Um, I was filming in Halong Bay, Vietnam. Uh, and we were filming uh, on a boat overnight. So we were staying on the boat in Halong Bay. There was a load of beer going around. And at two o'clock in the morning on Halong Bay, uh, moonlit uh, as well, I was on the top deck of the boat we were filming on for the night uh, with all of my crew and all of uh, the people we were filming. Basically, I do this holiday show where we take 12, 12 people away every year to a different place. A bit like a, a, a loose copy of sort of coach trip or something like that. You know, you take 12 people away. Um, gotcha. with a fa- fabulous presenter we have here in Ireland, Francis Brennan. And uh, and then we basically just film what unfolds when we're away. But we're in Vietnam for three weeks or something like that. And there I was. It was, it was an incredible moment. I couldn't believe that I was singing Mustang Sally. Uh-huh in Halong Bay at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> with the whole boat accompanying me. I honestly felt this is it. It doesn't get better than this. That sounds <laughs> mega, oh, man. It, yeah, yeah. No, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, so awesome. I that. Awesome. Right, next one. Mark Fulcher, help me, Docs. So a couple of questions for you both. After attending the Motorcycle Live show at the NEC this year, I'm feeling pretty underwhelmed by it all. I just wondered what your thoughts were. Can go I go on, How did you? Yeah, go on. How did you feel? That's. I, I was waiting for you to ask me. Um, I thought, actually, as I mentioned before, that I'd just come back from Motorcycle Live. You were going to ask me. Yeah. I uh, was that chap called Mark. Mark. Yeah, Mark Fulcher. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely echo his feelings and thoughts. I came away from that. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is that I felt great coming away from there because. There was nothing which blew me away, nothing which set yeah. my world alight. I didn't fly back last night to Ireland thinking, oh, my God, I've got to have one of those bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, uh, we all know that feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the reason there's a marketplace for motorbikes. We all try and get that bike we really want. I'm fortunate enough to have that bike uh, at the moment, the Aprilia RS660, in the colour that I have. But when I saw that bike, for the first time. I'll never forget it. It, it, it. Like what we were talking about earlier, I just thought I have to move everything Heaven and in my yeah, life. I have to shift every, everything to get that bike. Yeah, no. Anyway, yeah. I was fully expecting to come back on the plane last night from the bike show thinking that about something, and I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I just think, and again, thrown back to what we were talking about before as well, I just, I'm, Yamaha went there, as you're aware. I know. And I, I, think, I couldn't understand that. I just think there's a big shift now with the internet and I can't really see the point of a bike show if you can't ride the bikes, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when you can ride a bike in your own country and go and test ride a bike and then go to the dealerships and then use the internet for all your research, it wouldn't surprise me if bike shows in the future uh, become much more smaller scale, shall we say. What do you think? Mm. Well, I mean, the, the the show is smaller than it. Every year, it seems to mm. to to get a little bit smaller. Um, for as long as I can remember going, and I've probably been going to the NEC since about two thousand and ten. I think I started going. Every year I've gone, everyone I've met has said, "Oh, it's not as good as last year. It's not as good as last year." And it's you know, whereas this year I thought, bearing in mind what we've just gone through over the last year and a bit with COVID. 
it was a massive gamble for the organisers. Massive mm. gamble. Because, as you know, these things these things cost money. They cost money to organise, and they cost a lot of money for pe- you know for everybody that chose to have a stand there. You're talking, yeah. you know, I think something like five grand minimum just for, or was it two grand or something? You're you're in the thousands anyway, even for a pokey yeah. little small stall. So there is yeah. a big financial gamble for everybody involved. And I, th- I think I was surprised Yamaha weren't there, considering they've pretty much cleaned up in the motorsport, the bike motorsport world this year. You know, I thought they would yeah. be there, at least with their winning range of bikes for you to see. Yeah. But they had, yeah. they had nothing. Um, Aprilia weren't there, were they? Um, no. Yeah, it just seemed... I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I just thought they would... As they'd made that gamble to go ahead with it, I thought there would be more of an impact. You know, there would be a bit more of a big show going on than than there yeah. was. Um, yeah, you're saying about bikes. There were there were there was one bike that grabbed me for sure when I saw it in the flesh, and that's the new Norton, the Norton V4 Cafe Racer. Ah, yeah, yeah, Loved stunning, it. absolutely Loved beautiful. It. Yeah, yeah, I'll never buy one, never be able to afford one. But I looked at it what? and just thought, oh, yeah. What sort of price is that coming in at, Bruce? I, I've I've seen somewhere, and this is nothing official. This is purely yeah. like whispers, so it could be utter bollocks. But I've heard something like thirty-eight grand. Um, what? But I don't know if that that could be bollocks. That could be utter yeah. bollocks. But I've heard that whispered. Um, so don't quote me on it. But it's not yeah. going to be cheap. It's Norton, and it's the very top of the range, Norton. So absolutely, yeah. But yeah. I, but I, I could see it being even yeah. more. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, one of the bikes I actually went over to see was the new, uh, the Street Triple, the RR, with the, the mm. new fairing and the new round headlight on the front. I Go went on. to see that, and I, 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 I loved it. I'd be honest, I loved it, and I loved that Triumph finish on it. It's absolutely stunning. But the price, 18,000 mm. quid. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other bikes out there which can mm. very well compete with that for five grand cheaper than that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, actually, that's the other thing. One of the other bikes I went to see uh, was the BSA, uh, oh, the, yeah, Gold yeah. Star, the new Gold oh. Star. And I, 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 actually, that leads me on because the, the whole reason I got into motorbikes when I was four or five years old is um, my father was looking after a friend of his had a BSA Gold Star, the original version. And my father kept it in his garage because this guy didn't have a garage and he didn't want to leave it outside. So it stayed in our garage for six months or something like that, you know. And I'll never forget one of my first childhood memories. I used to get out of bed. I couldn't wait to get out of bed every morning before I went to school and come down and sit on the BSA Gold Star. And you you know yourself, that smell of petrol and oil. And it was that whole ambiance of the Gold Star which introduced me into motorcycling for the very first time. So... When the new Gold Star came out, I just thought, uh, I, you know, I've got to have one for the memories, that, you know. And then I went over, had a look at it, had a sit on it. And again, obviously, we can't ride them uh, when we're in a show like that. And I'd love to ride one next year. But the Royal Enfields, the Continental GT that I have, the Mr. Clean version, to me, is mm. still one of the best looking bikes I've ever seen. Again, it's all personal uh, uh, to me. But uh, the Gold Star didn't set me a light. And that no. that was part of the whole thing when I came away. And I think if goal, um, be it, I think if um, BSA don't get the pricing correct, they could be in trouble with that. Mm. I think they have to get the pricing correct for the comeback with this. Yeah, I mean, 
price, the pricing of bikes is just, it's just all a bit ridiculous at the moment. You know, I, 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 I understand, I understand their reasoning behind it because all the component parts, the prices of everything have all gone up and I, I get that, but we just seem to have jumped from 10 grand was your upper level of bike, wasn't it? You know, your, your, yeah. your, your one liter sports bike, your top of the range, R1, yeah. Jickster, Blade, they were around it. about that 10 grand, maybe 11 grand mark. And then all of a sudden one year, was it, was it Yamaha? Yamaha or BMW brought out a, brought out their liter sports bike. And all of a sudden the price was 14 and a half, 15. And then we just yeah. seem to have gone for the horizon from then on. It's just 20, 22 yeah, grand for a, for like a top of the range sports bike now. In fact, more than that. For the top. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's, it's just not, not it's <laughs> not, it's not the economic mode of transport that, <laughs> that no, it once was. Yeah, I, I, and when you're spending that sort of money, as we, as we all know, really, you then have to justify it. So, you know, our weekend mm. toys in the summer then become more, oh, God, how often am I going to use this? And uh, yeah. I, I certainly have to justify uh, spending anywhere near that sort of money on a bike, you know. Um, actually, one of the other... One of the other bikes I fell in love with was the BMW, the R18 Transcontinental. Did you? What a machine. With the big I love all that. at the front. Um, uh, fabulous. Like the dashboard, the, 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 the whole seat in the upright position. I loved it. Uh, fabulous. I'm doing a trip next year, a big trip. Um, uh, and I'd love, I'd love to tap somebody to uh, try and get a loaner of a motorbike. And when I sat on that, I just thought, okay, I know what the bike. Have I, you I know what the bike has to be? Like, so. Have you ridden the R eighteen? No. Yeah, I I have to admit, and I've got a video on it. It's probably one of the biggest letdowns I've had in biking. I was expecting really. Yeah, I'd, I'd ridden the Harley Fat Boy and quite a few Harleys. In the leading in the year leading up to that, and I'd always thought the the Beamer, the R18, is going to be just the top of this market. You know, it's going to be typical BMW. Yeah. It was soulless, yeah. and it it just didn't handle. Like it was horrible in the corners, unless it was just wow. me having an off day. But it it felt terrible. I was literally scraping the 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 runner boards, the foot pegs. Every, just you even looked at a slight deviation in the road and you scraped the pegs. It was shocking. And oh it, it just for a 1.8 boxer engine, you know, we've both got GSs. We know what that boxer engine feels like. It's really torquey. It's lovely for a yeah. 1.8 version of that engine. It was gutless. It was soulless. I was just, just left flat. I really was so oh, disappointed God. by it. I'm going to do it on my GS then. Well, you might be different. You might get on it, and it might be totally yeah. different for you. I could have been having yeah. a, a bad day. I don't know, but I just didn't enjoy it at all. I'd love to have a shot on one. Yeah. So, yeah. in fact, I was going to wait until after Christmas before I started uh, contacting the dealers over here. Yeah. Uh, and let, letting them know what I'm at next year, you know. Uh, but uh, but 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 after speaking to you now, I might yeah, I might just do it no, on the GS. Might be a better no, option, all right. <laughs> biking is really personal, isn't it? You know, one yeah. one man's coal is another man's diamond. So this is it. This is it. Yeah. yeah. Is is uh, has BMW not got a PR department in Ireland itself? They'd be the not ones that I'm aware contract. of. No. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, there's a couple of dealers. Uh, Kiri's actually Kiri's down in Cork. 
or where right. I bought um, the GS from. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'll start shouting them up first and nice. uh, see what the crack is. But I've just had new rubber put on my GS, so you know it wouldn't be all bad if I have to head away on that. <laughs> uh, so, so. <laughs> what have you put on? Uh, I got the um, Michelin Road Fives Fives, trail version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never had them before. Yeah, Um, do you like them? No, I had the the Metzler, um, the um, yeah Road Teco ones. Road Teco ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were great, except in the wet. I lost the back end a couple of times, and I know if it wasn't for all the technology on the bike, um, I wouldn't have saved the bike myself. Um, oh, right. So, uh, uh, yeah, it scared me a little bit. Now, they were down, especially on the edges, they were down quite a bit. So that's mm. why I just thought, no, no, I'll have a change. But now that only happened over the last one. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I'll see how it got on. I remember with the, with the, with the Roteco ones, I, I thought they were amazing for the first 2,000 miles. And then yeah. it was literally like a switch went and they were horrendous. For the, I got 4,300 and they were to the core. They were literally through the rubber and to the, the core of the tyre. And uh, yeah. the last 2,000 miles was was terrible. But then um, well, yeah. I moved to the, I've had Dunlops, Dunlop Road Smart 3s. They were amazing. Then Michelin Road 5s, they were, they were brilliant. Uh, every bit mm-hmm. as good, I thought, as the Dunlops, but you, you got about a thousand mile more. And then recently, through the TV show, that's sponsored by Dunlop, so they've given me. Oh yeah, I tried. I tried the Meridians, and now I'm on the Mutants, or the other way around. And they've they've both been equally as good. Great. I've done track days on them and everything. They've been great. Really good times. Well, well since I had the Michelins put on, I haven't even. Uh, ridden the bike because that was only last week and of course we've had Storm Barra here as well Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just haven't been out on the bike but no I'm looking forward to seeing how it handles and uh, see how that feels So I think mo- modern for the vast majority of us out there modern sport touring tyres you, you know I mean you're, you're never going to out you're never going to outride them they're just they're, course, they're shit up absolutely. you know you can do track yeah, days yeah, on them yeah. you can tour on them you can ride all year round on them they're, they're brilliant but again yeah. it's mental yeah. it's mental if you decide you yeah. don't like a tyre it's useless then isn't totally it? is yeah, yeah. and even though I, I uh, you know even though my back end was twitchy there a few weeks ago uh, that was it I had to change the tyres because mm-hmm. it, it, again it's mental it was in my head that's it, that's it. they have yep. to be gone um, totally. because I, I, I was just terrified riding it after that happened so yeah so right there's a second part up. Second yeah. part to Fulci's question here. Secondly, a topic that is touched that was touched on in the pod with the boy band regarding the comeback of the sports tourer. Do you both honestly feel that they're going to replace the tractors, as in the big adventure bikes? Manufacturers have invested millions to meet and better the market demand to give us the modern day adventure bike. Plus, how many wankers and BMW clad gear will be upset if they suddenly decline off the market? Personally, I think the market needs it. Plus, people might actually use their machines for what they're designed to do but wondered where you stand on the subject so there i feel like there is a rise in the sports tourer sort of market from manufacturers there's more of them beginning to to produce bikes in the sports touring market do you think that's going to overtake the adventure bike sector or what do you think personally i do uh, and I think uh, the, the two huge signs of that are that new Suzuki bike, the GSX uh, S1000 S- GT, stunning yeah. looking bike. Uh, and the um, other bike, obviously, which has been released by Honda um, to sort of coincide with that, I'd say, or to rival that, uh, is it the NT1100? NT, yeah, uh, 1100 yeah, NT, yeah. yeah. 
uh, again, that was another bike I was disappointed in looks-wise at the motorbike yep. show. I just thought it looked yep. very, very bland. Again, the proof is in the riding of these. Yeah. yeah. But uh, going back to the question, I think sports touring could easily take over because as we both know, the GS, you can't really off-road a GS, you know. Uh, well, I certainly I can't, can't anyway. You can't. You can't. You can't. If you know what you're doing, you can. Well, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. I so, don't, but, by the uh, way. <laughs> no, no. But uh, I, I've just ordered another bike, a CRF300L, mm. to try and um, improve my off-road riding skills because that's the weakest part of my riding. Um, yep. uh, so I w- I'll never use the GS off-road, not since I tipped it over, um, uh, uh, trying, trying that last year. Wrong tyres, very inexperienced. Of course it was going to go wrong, and it did. But fortunately, the bike didn't have hardly any damage on it. But, uh, but no, I'll be keeping the GS for absolute touring the fjr anybody who's watching this and who's followed me since i started this last year will know of my love affair with the fgr now that mm. to me was the epitome of a sports tourer absolutely incredible bike loved it but it just didn't like me um i'm the wrong size and shape for a bike like that and whilst i loved it at speeds holy jesus taking that up to top wax speed was incredible but driving it slowly around a car park it was over. I dropped it several times. I mean, wow. uh, with all, all like all the weight up high, and uh, mm, and that mm. we a strange phenomenon. I, I think it's common with um, or maybe it's just that sort of uh, year of FTRs. When you lean it into a corner and have to put in opposite steering to take it out of the corner, that scared the hell out of me every time I went. Uh, and uh, you know, tried to get the knee down. I just thought I, w- I was never going to get back up again. <laughs> <laughs> what counter steering? Yeah, counter steering on that. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I've had I contacted a lot of people about it. A lot of people, a few people who'd all seen me videos about the FGR who said they they'd had the same problem. So hmm. I was able to speak to them at length about it because I just thought there was something wrong with my bike, but. Right. Common problem in a 2010 FGR, apparently. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, but that scared the bejesus out of me as well. So that's another reason I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, I'm going to have to try something else because it's it's just not for me, the bike. Now, yeah. you know, uh, I'd had a 20-year break from motorbikes and then came back into it and got an FGR. So, mm. Perhaps I did it wrong. You know, I should have got something a, a little bit smaller just to build up the confidence again before I went straight into a thirteen hundred yeah. sports tour. But <laughs> fabulous bike, fabulous bike, and uh, I mean, I love all the space we have on the GS and everything. I really do. I love the look of the GS again. You know, if it makes you smile when you're not even riding it, it's it's done. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, it's it's ticked the box for me. Um, mm. But yeah, that, those two new sports tourers, as much as I love the look of the Suzuki, uh, the other fella, the Honda, is very bland looking. I don't, I don't get what Honda's doing with that because, to to my knowledge, and I, by all means, I could be wrong. I often am, but my understanding is it's is it's the Africa Twin Eleven Hundred engine without any of the bells mm. and whistles. They've taken all the mm. electronic gadgetry off, which I don't get. I would have thought you would, you would. You would put that on a sports tourer, surely. I would have thought. Absolutely, yeah. That's what yeah. you'd want. I could again. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But what I've heard is they've taken all of that off, and the, just the design looks. 
it's just a Ford Mondeo, isn't it? It's a Ford Mondeo bike. It's just bland beige. I just, yeah. nothing, nothing tickled my nuts with it at all. It might be different once you get on it and ride it because initially the GS did nothing for me, but I've, I've fallen in love with it. The GT, yeah, yeah. the GT was the opposite. I liked the look of it in the press yeah. images and the videos that I saw. And I watched Dickie Vegas's Richie Vida's vid. But yeah. when I saw it at the show, it was just a fleeting glimpse. Again, it, it didn't do anything for me. But it might right. be different right. once once I'm I'm up close and when I get my hands on yeah. one. It's interesting, well, Mark. Love... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say I'd love to ride the Suzuki GT, but even after mm. seeing the Honda at the show, no aspirations to even get on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So, uh, uh, Mark, it's interesting you asked that, mate, because I was um, I was at a. a in the pub basically a couple of days ago with my my bikey mates and this topic came up and um i was arguing that very fact that the the sports touring market i think is going to be the new it's going to be the new adventure bike market because the adventure bike market is vastly made up of people like me you know people that used to ride sports bikes but are getting a bit old and fat for them want to they want performance but they want comfort and for a long time there's not been really anything sexy in between the sports bikes and like, you know, the big shiny GSs and Ducati Multistradas and everything. And now we're starting to get some new sports bikes, like sport tourers coming in. The, the Hayabusa's come back. Uh, who knows if maybe the, the Quacker will come back. I, I, I don't know. Maybe BMW will do the Z, sorry, the um, K1300 again, because that was a that was yeah. an epic machine. Who knows? Beautiful. But, um, it would fill that void, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, I actually uh, rode a, K, a K1300. I went to buy one of them um, mm. before the um, FJR and absolutely loved it, but it just came down to price in the end, right. uh, you know, and that, that, that I plumbed for the FJR. But yeah, no, stunning bike, that uh, uh, BMW. Yeah, so it's, be interesting it's... to see because I, I, I think even next year, it would depend on the success of Suzuki and Honda, of course, with these mm. two new models. But I think if they go well, it'll really um, raise the attention from other manufacturers. Yeah. There's been a lot of hype around their launch, hasn't there? And I think I think Huge. purely on that alone, on the hype and social media, I think a lot of the yeah. manufacturers might be going, if they didn't have plans already for that, might be going, oh, this is, this is something yeah. we need to look at. Yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. Exciting right. times. It's great, isn't it? It is. Uh, it is good uh, to see, know, for no, sure. Very good, yeah, yeah. One bike I don't like, by the way, um, is the Aprilia, that Touareg. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not for me, man. Not for me. <laughs> They've even copied the colour scheme of the Africa Twin. Don't do that. Go acid gold again. Like They, they really cracked it open with that uh, the colour scheme on the RS660. How are you finding ownership with the Aprilia? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I knew of all the problems when I was on the waiting list to get it. I knew of all the problems everybody else had in the engine recalls and this and that failing. Uh, and so far, the only thing which has gone wrong is the engine worn on light, which I was told would be on anyway and just needed a, a, a software update. So right. one, once I hit a thousand miles, I got that turned off. And But to ride, everything about that bike just excites me. I love it. And uh, no, it's stunning. Absolute stunning. And what a head turn. Even people who aren't into motorbikes stop me, you know, um, yeah, when yeah. I'm out with that. Yeah, no, no, it's just incredible. I love it. Is the, yeah. is the, is the service interval, is it still valve clearances every 4,000 miles? No, absolutely no. not. 
no, oh, no. So, so I've just had, I've just had the thousand done, and I don't need to go back. And now I'm talking in kilometers. Um, I don't need to go back until twelve thousand. And okay. I think it's uh, when it hits twenty thousand, it then gets a valve clearance. Right, because um, the only Aprilia so, I've ever owned was a Tuono. When I, I'll mention it now. When I finished my world trip, I, I sort of, I don't. The Tuono <laughs> was my get that one out of the way, Bruce. Get out of the way. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> Fifty minutes in, I can do that. Yeah. Um, well, the Tuono, the the V four Tuono was like my poster bike. I was like, I want that. So I treated myself when I came back, and yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I did. I'd done four and a half thousand miles in the first. Oh, about a month because I took it. I took it away on a trip, and it was amazing. And the, the Spanish mountain roads, it was absolutely stunning. Beautiful. But then it needed the the first service, you know, the first main service, and it it, it was just it kept conking out of me and everything. And um, all the dealership said was, "Well, it's valve clearances. It needs its valve clearances done." And I'm like, "It's it's done four thousand miles," and they were like, "Yeah, they have oh, to be wow. done every single service." I was like, "That's ridiculous." No. It's just, and it was just yeah. a nightmare. It, it kept conking out on me. It didn't want to start. It was just, I got rid of it in the end. Got it. Got it. I'm hardly surprised. That's not a pleasant ownership experience. No. So, would you would you no. consider going back to Aprilia after that? Because normally, was, what happens with me if I'm with a brand and it's failed? Doesn't matter what the model is, but if the brand has failed, yeah, I'm I, I'm gone. And I'm not just talking about motorbikes. I'm talking about um, uh, uh, camera equipment and everything, lenses, yeah. uh, the whole thing. Well, I mean, on, anyone anyone that follows my channel will know uh, I've I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with GoPros because they're just. I mean, I've got I've got the GoPro one, but I've got the one, the two, the three. I skipped yeah. the four, five, six. I went to sevens, then nine. I'm going to be getting a ten, and they've all don't been, bother me. They've all just been dog shit. You know, I mean, the yeah. the, the, the picture quality is amazing, and the sound quality is amazing when it works. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah, just you yeah. just can't count on it. But there's not a single there is not a single helmet camera out there I've tried that is a, is reliable. When you when you no. plug in an external mic, they just seem to fuck up. I don't know why, but they just they just don't seem I, to work. Yeah, it's like you've written my script there. To be honest, Bruce, I'm totally with you. I wouldn't bother if I was you upgrading to the ten. Um, no. I had to for for work. I had to buy two of them for in car stuff and everything. And again, on broadcast TV jobs. The two new GoPro tens have fucked up the day's filming. Oh. Uh, we've lost, yeah, we've lost footage. We, footage you just can't do again. You know, I mean, yeah. I was making yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a a documentary. Was it last year or the year before with the nine uh, about people sea swimming uh, all around the coast of Ireland? Beautiful documentary, and we've got all this amazing footage underwater with the nines, and went to transfer the files off the card. And the whole thing was corrupted, uh, oh. lost, lost everything. Uh, and that's stuff you can't redo because a lot no. of the people we were filming uh, were disabled and uh, you can't ask them to go and do it again because the camera's messed <laughs> up. But I've lost to, to date with the new GoPro 10s. I've lost two days filming bike reviews again, which I can't do again because I haven't got the time and I can't go back to the dealership. Uh, yeah. And tell them my camera camera messed up. Can I take it out for another day? It's just so frustrating. So what I do, uh, well, not anymore because I'm 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 stopping using GoPro. Full stop. I just can't can't. The frustration is too much. Mm -hmm. So what I do um, uh, up until a few weeks ago, I was taking six or seven cards with me um, on a bike review, 
and then swapping cards out after like every hour, which is terrible when you're having to think of all that as well as yeah, yeah. as well as all of the stuff you're going to be saying, and as well as trying to get an honest feel of how the bike is performing. We've got a lot mm. to do on the day, and I, I know you guys have bikes for a bit longer. I'd love to get that to that stage where somebody mm. will drop a bike off to me for a month or something like that. But uh, at my level, I get a bike for a day, and I have to make it all happen within that day and have it back to the dealership before they close that oh, bike. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You, you can't do it with unreliable cameras. And both of the GoPro 10s have failed me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now, I, I've been on to GoPro. That customer service is appalling. Oh, that's, that's so shocking. Not it's only terrible. can you not get through to them, they, they never get back to you on an email. Yeah. I'm on their own forum, their own support forum, you know, pleading my frustrations, not as a motovlogger, but as a broadcast television yeah. cameraman. You know, GoPro nearly cracked it, I think. You know, um, in the TV world, nobody would ever use a GoPro because it just wasn't professional enough. And three or four years ago with the 7, the GoPro 7, we started using them as a wide shot on a TV mm. production just to get that shot stuck up on the ceiling. If if it was only in the show for six or seven seconds, it's an angle we couldn't get. Yeah. And the GoPro must have known that they were actually breaking into that broadcast TV world. And because when they released the ace, the megabits went up, uh, the the picture quality went up. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought this is really exciting. We can start exploring, you know, all sorts of different and wonderful angles on a TV documentary rather than having to use uh, like an Alexa mini or, uh, you know, crazy expense, uh, something like that. So we were all very excited about it in the TV world. But now the word is out. They're unreliable, so we can't use them again. I notice you're using the Insta360, the 1X2, quite a bit now. Love it. Love it. I had a bit of a love-hate relationship with that, but it was my own fault. This is terrible. So, uh, yes, uh, it's brilliant for those effects shots. I've tried to use it as the one camera on my motorbike, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I had a lot of problems, mainly with the sound, because the cheap mm. little plastic audio input which goes into the side, which I have a Rode Wireless Go 2 yeah. microphone connected to. You, I'm sure you've seen that loads of motor vloggers are using that yeah. system set up now. So it never quite fitted sometimes uh so it would come loose especially with the vibration on a bike and the wind hitting it and all that sort of stuff so there were a few times that i lost audio and i had to do the audio and voiceover afterwards you know yourself it's not the same uh but then as recently as three months ago this is crazy you know uh, uh the camera kept cutting crashing out on me and freezing and i was just what the hell here we go again it's the same problems as the gopro mm. however it wasn't because I'd done a software update on the on the actual Insta 361 X2. Um, it reset itself with the voice command set on. Right. So what I, whenever I was talking inside my helmet, I was cutting the camera with certain words I was saying. It was just crashing <laughs> out of record. So it took me forever to investigate why this was going on. And again, I was on the forums and I was contacting Insta 360. And then the penny dropped, and this was what it was, a voice prompt. So I just turned voice prompt off, and it's been reliable as clockwork yeah. ever since. It's just been fantastic ever since. So uh, when the bad weather clears up and we get a bit of sunshine again, I'm actually going to go out just using the Insta360, the Wireless Go 2, 
which I have the transmit. I've just bought a new helmet, the Scorpion uh, ADX One. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fabulous helmet. So I've put a little hot shoe just on the chin of the helmet there mm. so I can just clip in the wireless Go microphone. So it's a very neat affair on the helmet. Yeah, it looks good. And obviously, with the wireless Go 2, obviously I can just pick the shot of me for all the talky bits and then just play the same thing again uh, in that free software which it comes mm. with and choose the POV point of view shot. Looking forward. And then um, what I normally do is I make sure I have all the content out the way first, and then I do the the fancy shots, you know, on the selfie stick, uh, you know, sticking gotcha. it inside of the bike and all that sort of crap. So. Yeah, 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 all the B-roll uh, stuff. So I'm yeah. going to give that a go. And actually, I know uh, Andy uses his phone to do the walk around stuff hmm. because, like I said earlier, I've just upgraded to this new iPhone 13 Pro Max or whatever it's called. Uh, the the camera quality on it is. It's unbelievable, sensational. And it has a mode called cinematic, which is mm-hmm. it just gives it that depth of field, that much more professional yeah. look. Uh, and in January, what month are we in now? We're in December. Next month, Rode, who make the wireless go to, they're releasing a new piece of software called the Micro A1. It's some sort of, I think that's it. Uh, check their website, folks. But it's some sort of interface to go into your phone. Tiny little box again which will allow you to uh, input the signal from your road radio mics oh, wow. straight into your phone, which oh, okay. I think for for us is going to be invaluable. So I'd love to think, I mean, it's crazy, some of the, uh, not the bike reviews, but some of the trips that I go off and do with points of interest. I've got the drone, I've got two cameras, I've got my phone, I've got my Panasonic GH5 SLR, five cameras on mm-hmm. a on a bike trip. And I'm oh, yeah. still trying to think about what to say and everything. So I'm really looking at ways of scaling all this down. So like I say, iPhone 13 and uh, Insta 361 X2 is where I'm at at the moment. But as we all know, that could all change when it doesn't work again. <laughs> Genuinely, Dave, I'm exactly the same. Mate. I, you know, I've got, yeah. I've generally got two or three cameras on the bike at any one time. Plus, if I'm on yeah. my own bike... I've got my Inov K5 system, so there's front camera, rear camera on that, plus the mic yeah. from that. Then I've got, yeah. I use my phone, I've got the drone, I've got the little DJI Pocket 2 thing that I use as well. So Brilliant. all the gear, and then I look at somebody like Andy, TMF, and sometimes yeah. he will use one camera, he'll just have a yeah. chin-mounted camera, and he'll have his phone, and he just creates it. Sometimes simplicity is best because <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yeah. get any issues content is key at the end of the day I, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's it and if we can get the same message across you know uh, just keeping it scaled down but I, I, Andy uh, got a, a 360 because I've seen a few of his mm. later videos he's using the 360 uh, on it oh my god I did a track day um, uh, not so long ago in Mondello the racetrack we're here uh, we have over here in Ireland and I wanted to make a video about it, of course. So you're not allowed to, I think it's standard practice on every racetrack, you're not allowed to have any cameras on your helmet for obvious no, reasons. No, because of Schumacher, yeah, 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 you're not allowed to. Absolutely. Them, right? So that's fair enough. So I made sure that the bike was all cameraed up and I had the Insta360 sticking out the side of the bike, just with the pole collapsed, mm-hmm. so like only to that length, but out the side of the bike with the Insta360 on. I thought this would be perfectly acceptable. 
oh my God, I was chased around the racetrack by the uh, marshals, you know, and they were all flagging me to come in and everything. And I'm thinking, what the, what, what the hell's going on here anyway? They weren't too happy about it for obvious reasons. I, I mean, obviously, if I, if I was leaning the bike over and I'd smashed the camera lens and glass on the track and everything, totally makes sense. But uh, no, they're all right uh, over here. You can use them here. Uh, sticking out the side. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's within reason, you know, but by the sounds of what yeah. you said, if it's the selfie stick and it's it's as low and as it will go, yeah, yeah, that'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah, you, well, are uh, they, yeah. I, some some want you to have them tethered. They want you to have a tether connected as well. Uh, yeah, I did do as well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but anyway. Uh, but you I get good views with them. Again. You get lovely views with them. Oh, with and, uh, I, I mean, what an incredible dimension that gives mm. us being on a motorbike. Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just look how far technology has come. Again, harking back to this new phone system, you know, it's amazing to think we can just, as I've just done over the last two days, go off to a motorbike show and record a whole video entirely on yeah. the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, and, and it's good go, enough. Uh, and it is good enough. And then go out on a motorbike and have these incredible effects shots, which actually looks like there's a drone following you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable, which actually gets rid of the stick in the software. Mental. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's brilliant, brilliant. Right, we need, to, we need to keep on track here, Dave. We've done two questions. All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Pete English. Hi, guys. Hope you're both fitting well. Not really a question, more of a discussion. What's going on with all this heated clothing? Everyone and their auntie has gone and got some. Granted, I've not ridden many miles in sub-zero temperatures, and honestly, I have no real desire to do so. But here in the UK, it's a bit much to have socks, jacket, gloves, and a heated sanitary pad under your arse, isn't it? (laughs) Keep up the great work. Live your life. Um, Pete, yes, it is... um, It's a little bit of a bugbear of mine, to be honest, at the moment. I, I saw a competition by Kais. Kais were running a competition on the social media to win a trip to Iceland. And you just had to enter this competition and sort of fill in an application. And I thought, oh, God, yeah, I fancy some of that. So I entered it. And uh, a month or so later, I get an email saying, congratulations, you've been selected to go forward. I thought, oh, happy days. What I didn't realize was like every man and his dog who's got an Instagram account has been selected. (laughs) Most people haven't haven't even entered the blooming competition. They were just given this kit. So now I'm, you know, and I, I see, I see all these videos of people like, you know, oh, I'm going out riding today because it's three degrees, and you know, I'm putting this kit on, and I just think, Joe, you know, I can't, I can't be bothered faking it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not into yeah. that. If it's Baltic, yeah. I'll put it on, fine. But I've ridden yeah. for years. I've ridden for years down to like minus, in fact, minus thirty-eight. I rode in in bloody Canada, and I wasn't wearing heated clothing. So, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. It's just, I, I know, I know why companies do this. I know why they do it. They saturate the market. It gets loads of eyes on their product. It works. That's why they do mm. it. But I just, yeah, I don't think I'll well, be winning t- the competition, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm totally with you. To me, it sort of spoils the whole experience. I love yeah. going out for a winter bike ride and coming back freezing cold and sitting in front of the fire and all that sort of crack to warm up again. I love that crack. Uh, and uh, I, I just I, I would never be buying and again it's something else to think about can you imagine you know if you got used to your heated clothing and then the day you want to go out on your bike and realise that your lithium battery on your jacket was you know was not charged you know if you became used to that you wouldn't you wouldn't go out I mean, oh, no, I mean 
I 100% love it. It's awesome. Like the heated jacket is fantastic and the heated socks are amazing. They are amazing, genuinely amazing. But, you know, I'm just, I've survived without them. I'll survive. I'll survive without them again. It's nice. It's nice having it, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all, is it for sure? Maybe if anyway. I was get to, maybe if I was able to get to the level where somebody wanted to send me some to review, I, I might think differently. <laughs> but 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 I've I've never had it. I've no, no desire to have it. And to Don't, be honest, yeah. I've no desire to even have heated gloves. I'm quite happy. Like we're on the GS having the heated grips. That's enough. Yeah. In fact, they're too hot. They're too yeah, they hot are. on the GS. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, uh, so, yeah, no, they that, are too hot. That's enough for me. And I'm pretty much a fair weather rider anyway, um, you know, uh, unless I'm going to go off on a trip and I get caught out in bad weather or mm. there's no other time to do the trip, then, you know, I sort of do pick and choose me days to go out for a spin anyway. Cool, yeah. My my best advice for a YouTube channel, I appreciate you've not asked for it, but I'm going to put it out there for other people if they're listening, is just be you. Don't, don't yeah. try and be what you think people want you to be because people have a canny knack of sniffing out bullshit. And if you're, if you're not genuine, they'll see through it. You cannot keep yeah. up a persona or an act all the time. And eventually the real you will come through. And if that's not why people have joined your channel and subscribed, they'll, they'll be Oski. So just be you and you'll, you'll attract your own community. Yeah. Right, that's no, my, I, my bit done. I, I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, and to be to be honest, I couldn't be asked at my stage in life of, uh, <laughs> of putting on a show just to try and get a few more subscribers. It's Definitely. me, or it's uh, it's me, or it's nobody. So that's it. So. Yeah, there's there's people like there's people practically doing headstands on their bike at the moment, just trying to get some attention. <laughs> and oh, yeah, you know, yeah, just just don't do it. Just don't do it. I know. Right, next no, one, I'm, Charlie no, Callard. Sorry, man. Go on. Apologies. No, 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 no. Go on. So there's a there's a wee bit of a delay here, so that's sometimes why you end up talking over. Uh, Charlie Callard, evening, gents. Hope you're both well. How you doing, Charlie? Thanks for the chat and picks at the NEC. It made my year. No bother at all. Hopefully next time we'll meet. It'll be with beers and bikes. Definitely, mate. Come along to one of the rideouts. Charlie's first question. So spaghetti bolognese and lasagna are in their makeup similar dishes, but if you had to only choose one or the other for the rest of your life, which would it be? Spagball. Lasagna. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so that, that that's easy. L- let's say you and I were pilots, then Bruce. You know how they never give the pilot the same meal in case it's dodgy <laughs> food right. and the boat we're goes fine. down. So, so we're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely no spagball for me. Lasagna for me, it's too it's too creamy. I like a little bit of it, but uh, like spagball, I could just sit and eat kilograms of the stuff. Lasagna, I, w- I would get a bit too sickly. I think after a while, for me. But with the spag ball, how do you manage with the beard? Does it not, oh, yeah. does it not get, get intertwined Everywhere. with your beard? Everywhere. <laughs> I've, give, I've given up with a beard now, David. I, I just accept the fact I am going to wear whatever I, I eat. It's yeah. just, it's in there. I, I fight the next day when I'm in the shower and combing and cleaning it. It's like, oh, all right, there's more. Yeah. I remember the, fir- the, the first ever girlfriend I had, and I was invited to her house by a mom uh, for dinner, and she made spag ball. And I'll never forget, eating spag ball in front of this girl at school who was really trying to impress and I was wearing it like yourself and I just think maybe I've had something against spag ball ever yeah, since yeah. Because, ever since because, because, because our new romance finished very soon after that day of eating spag ball 
Uh, Charlie's I, I, next question. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Go on, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, when you're on the road as well, doing what I do, a staple meal, which you can pretty much get anywhere, is lasagna. So, yeah, right. it's just become part of my DNA. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Charlie's second question. If you could ride anywhere in the world for a meal, where would it be and what would it be? Oh, good question. Can I... Can I oh. go with that one, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Uh, 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 this segues lovely into the trip I have next year. I'm actually next year, and I reveal it here, big exclusive here, Bruce. Mm. I'm, I'm doing a trip next year. I'm going to Naples for a slice of pizza because that's oh, where nice. they invented it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the tagline is, "I'm going out for a, a takeaway pizza." But the catch to it is, I'm riding to Naples. That's oh. the trip I want the big. That's the trip I want the bike for. So I'm actually going through ten countries in nineteen days. Um, that's the plan. I'm just looking yeah. for the time slot to actually do it in. Um, when you so, going, Dave? So, uh, next <laughs> uh, next Easter. Are you up for it? Oh, uh, well, no. It's, uh, Chops and I. Chops and I have this series that we're doing, the big hunts, and yeah. uh, where we go around the oh, country. Is this the fish and chips thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and, brilliant, um, brilliant. One of them is going to be riding to Naples to get pizza. So. <laughs> you are joking. No, no. What? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. When when you go on, Bruce? Well, I'm not sure. Um, I think if you're be, going be, Easter time, be, you, you'll probably beat us. Before next you, Easter. <laughs> you, you'll beat us, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. I've got, I, 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 I've got to get me ass into action now and make that happen. <laughs> so I'll see you over there. We'll have a pint when we're over there. <laughs> <laughs> you're on you're on where would i go that's, I want to that's sh- really to that's really weird that's really weird <laughs> so i might I'm, i might have to change course no no go for it just do it do it yeah. absolutely yeah. do it um god where have i been that i really like the food do you know i i really love the food in japan i've got to say i really really oh, did yeah. like the food in japan and it's an awesome Fabulous. place to ride as well so i'd say japan then I don't know what it would did be, you, something Japanese. I love Japanese. So did you take a bike over there? Or did you rent a bike mm-hmm. when you were over there? Yeah, yeah, it was all part of all part of the trip. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jeepers, that's unbelievable. So yeah. uh, now yeah. I love Japan. Uh, I I was over there for a good long time, um, uh, working with the Beeb again, and it was when Nissan, um, the car manufacturer, moved into the northeast of England. We were over there doing a lot of pieces, you know in yeah. Tokyo and I fell in love with the place and back to my singing um, it was when karaoke was just becoming a thing in Japan they well, love a bit you can of karaoke imagine me. honest to God <laughs> I, 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 it was just like the best trip ever it was, I was out singing every night <laughs> it's made for you man it's made for you uh, that's my country <laughs> uh, right cheers for that Charlie next one Will Carroll Good evening from Dublin. Great to have Dave on the podcast, Bruce. I think his channel is wicked. As asked recently, why am I still riding after 40 years and what is it about or about it that keeps the fire burning? My question for you both, why do we ride motorcycles? Ooh, that's a goodie. Mm. Why do you mm. ride? Mm. Um, I have flown uh, airplanes all my life. Mm-hmm. My thing was always flying. Uh, that was my addiction. Uh, I tried to join the RAF actually um, when I was 16 uh, and I couldn't because it turns out I'm colorblind in one eye. So ah. I became a TV cameraman instead. 
<laughs> so, so white so balance had, is always a bit off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I had to fund my own flying, and uh, which was just when I was in my twenties. It was crazy money, and I sort of couldn't keep going. And uh, but then as new aircraft came along and new types of aircraft, so I, I, I've flown everything you know from uh, the Cessnas all the way through to microlights, and uh, I even tried mm. helicopters at one stage. That was you, you wow. might as well be throwing your money out of the car on your way to your lessons <laughs> because uh, that was a crazy amount of money. Um, but then I uh, got into paramotors. I don't know if you know what one of them is. It's a fan on your back, wing above oh, your yeah. head. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, in fact, this is really weird. I went to the Birmingham NEC show, um, to the light aircraft show, to buy a microlight 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and uh, I walked into the show where we've just been for the motorbike show. It was really strange. Uh, and the first stand I saw had a paramotor on it. Never seen one before, never heard of one. Started speaking to the guy. Uh, and he uh, said, or he told me all about it. And basically where I live here in Ireland, I can literally take off from the field in front of me in a paramotor, not have wow. to file permissions or any of that crap. So I just thought that's exactly what I need, what I want, really affordable way to fly. So I messed about in that uh, for uh, 10 or 12 years, whatever it was. And I had a few terrible scares a mm. year and a half ago. Uh, in fact, one of my scares was so bad, I had to land in a field. And that was the last time I ever went up in the air. And wow. I had to ring my wife to come and get me with the trailer on the back and everything. Actually, it, it, it's gone a little bit beyond that. I'm actually terrified of flying full stop as a result of that scare. Now, even coming back home from the motorbike show last night. Or well, even in commercial. On a, even in commercial flights, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how that's going to affect me with my career in the future, because mm. obviously I film a lot abroad. But I was terrified last night coming home on the Boeing 737. Uh, last mm. night uh, you, you know so it's really uh, it's really had an effect on me I'm going to have to combat that uh, mm. and get over it but back to the original question so when uh, when I sold I just literally packed all the paramotor gear up sold the whole lot but I needed something to replace it so even though I'd been into bikes when I was in the early 20s and everything uh, I just thought I'll give it a shot again so I know I said uh, earlier on that I went straight back in and got an FGR Actually, I didn't. Uh, I had a Dragstar, the XV650, a mm. cracking little bike, just a little cruiser around the country lanes here where I lived. So I had that for a short time. Never really went out on it much, to be honest. Um, and But I just wanted something to give me that buzz and that adrenaline, which the flying always did until I had the scares and totally lost my bottle with the flying. So actually, I get more of a buzz and more adrenaline out of motorbikes than I ever did with flying. It got a little right. bit boring in a paramotor just flying around by myself, looking at green fields yeah. here where I live, you know. So, um, so it, it was always going to be fairly short-lived. So, uh, And then my wife, of course, was wondering every time I went out flying if it was going to be the last she'd ever see yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I was taking more and more stupid risks, going up in more and more adverse weather conditions and everything. And then so she was delighted when I told her I was packing in the flying Porsche. <laughs> I'm getting into motorcycling. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you ride for the buzz. I, I reckon I'm probably I totally, the same. Yeah, yeah I, I like yeah, yeah. I, I like the adventure. I like... I like the speed, I like the buzz, the exhilaration, and I like the social side of it as well. You know, like when you're yeah. when you're out on your bike and you're meeting up with people, it's it's obviously it's gone to a different level with with me now through the channel because it's it's sort of 
that whole side of it has been emphasised, It's which is great. You know, people come up and chat and come out for rides and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just, I love all that. It's a, it's a great yeah. vehicle to meet people. Um, I yeah. found when you travel, it's it's a it's a good sort of leveler being on a bike because mm. whether people mm. ride bikes or not, they'll come over and chat to you because you're on a bike, and and I I like that. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that, that's really nice. It, it, you know, whenever I go out on the Royal Enfield, it, it's an I find that fascinating. Depending on what bike you're on, the different sort of mm. type of person who might come over and speak mm-hmm, to you mm-hmm. because. It, it's all about the bike, of course. Different for you because people will recognise you now at this stage. Uh, but for me, it's all about the bike. And whenever I go out on the Royal Enfield, you literally, any time you park it, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it, the, the fascination around that bike. Everybody thinks it's an original Cafe Racer, you know, from the 60s, yeah, first yeah, of all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was funny when so, Chop, no. Chops and I did the, the fish and chips um ride up to the northeast we did it on the mv augustas we had two two mv oh, augustas and, uh, and the amount of people that came up we had people coming up who weren't even bikers and they just came up like in the petrol stations and services and stuff they just came up mm-hmm. and they were like that is stunning and they were asking us all about it and it was only like after five minutes conversation with them when i think chop said to uh, this couple you know, so what do you ride and they were like oh no no we don't ride bikes we just think it's a beautiful bike you know <laughs> and they, they just Amazing. come over because yeah. they thought it was gorgeous yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brilliant. Will's Will's got a PS. He says, "PS, Dave, tell that big bearded Scotsman how good it is to ride in Ireland." <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming over to Ireland next year. Don't worry. 2022 have, have, is going to be a busy year. Have you been to Ireland before on a bike, Bruce? Yeah, I sort of one of the last stages of my trip. I flew from the states to to uh, Dublin, and then rode up through Southern Ireland into Northern Ireland. Did the sort yeah. of road road racing scene up around there, and then across yeah, to the Isle yeah. of Man for the TT and and home after that. Fabulous. So it was very quick, but um, yeah, I haven't it's done actually, the Wild Atlantic Way or anything like that. Oh my yet. god, I don't know. Did you watch Richie's uh, video? Yeah, yeah, he did, was yeah. over here recently. My god, I mean, it's just phenomenal. But it's that age old thing when it's on your doorstep. Yeah, you know, you're less yeah, inclined yeah. to. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, but uh, I, I was crazy busy. This, in fact, Richie contacted me to say that I fancy meeting up when he was over here, and I couldn't because I was over in England filming uh, "Come Dine with Me." Uh, so <laughs> I, I I was stuck in somebody's kitchen over in England filming "Come Dine," knowing that Richie is in my country, yeah. riding the Atlantic way on two wheels. It was so infuriating. <laughs> Well, I'm coming over. I'll be over next year for sure. So um, I'll give well, you a shout. Well, then I'll hook up with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on. Right. Last one of the patron questions. Colonel Bullen. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well. Question one. What is the one country that you visited that that really surprised you in a good way that you didn't expect? People and scenery. It's the biggest uh, positive surprise. Ghana. Oh, right. Yeah, I filmed in Ghana years ago. Uh, I had no idea what it was going to be like. This was, wow, when would this have been? Mid-90s. And uh, we were filming in a mud hut village. We were over there for a month. Uh, the documentary was about a university professor from the northeast of England who was pumping money into this mud hut village and uh, building them a library for the school children. Mm. Incredible documentary. So we were over there filming that, and we landed in a helicopter and for the first time ever, I witnessed kids, young kids, not having ever seen anybody with blonde hair. 
And now I had blonde hair back then, probably because I dyed it and tipped it for playing in the band and all that sort of crap. I had all the highlights, you know. So, uh, so, so that was a huge eye opener. I'd never been to Africa before either, but the poverty that we witnessed. Mm. Uh, it was to me, you know. I've spent my life looking through a lens, and uh, you're looking through a viewfinder. When you do that, that sense of reality has gone. But that was sort of five or six years into my career, and it was that first sudden sharp shock where I thought, "My God, this is just like watching what you see on television news." You know, it was phenomenal. And it, I'll never forget, there was one young lad who followed us around, uh, followed the film crew around. Well, loads of kids followed us around because we were in their village. But I, I, I got on particularly well with this young lad. And I gave him my pen knife as a present because he carried my tripod for the whole time mm-hmm. we were there, just because you wanted to be part of it. And I gave him my pen knife. I, I, that amazing, uh, uh, the kids over there, you know, give them a stick and they'll build you a motorbike or something. <laughs> but I gave this lad uh, my pen knife as a, a leaving present and we revisited the following year uh, just to see the library being built and whatever yeah. else. And the young lad had carved me a wooden seat out of one piece of wood, which was the most ornate piece of furniture you've ever seen. Wow. It was incredible. And I, and I still have it. Uh, and it's, it's outside in the back garden all these years later. And it's just a wonderful memory to have uh, of that particular country, that kid, yeah. you know, that moment. That is just amazing. Ghana. I love, love the, uh, uh, the the people over there. Beautiful people. Fabulous. For me, it's, it's, it's Russia, hands down, Russia. It's just, mm. I... I it was the biggest surprise. It was the polar opposite of what I expected, and um, I just love the place. Love the place. Love the people. Have you have you been to Russia? Yeah, yeah, a couple of times, but not for any length of time. Uh, weirdly, I've only ever filmed football matches in Russia. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that's not uh, going to be a good experience. No, no, no. <laughs> so so uh, very fle- fleeting visits. Uh, I'd love to go uh i'd love to go to moscow you know uh and yeah. uh i'd love to spend a bit of time there so it's it's weird because moscow's moscow's cool you're in moscow you know you've got the kremlin there and all these iconic yeah. places it's, it's cool but i just found the further east you go the nicer people got and it's weird really? because everyone in moscow said when you go east like this this is from the russian people they were like you're gonna die they will kill you you know, it's just they're animals as you go east, and it's utter bollocks. Yeah. They just get nicer yeah, yeah. and nicer, more hospitable, yeah. and the more remote yeah. you go, the nicer people. That's the same everywhere. I think just people are good. People, are, yeah. I've said this umpteen times. People are good. <laughs> um, Colonel also says opposite. What is the one country that you really looked forward to visiting, and when you got there, it's not really what you expected. Tell you straight away, Morocco. Really? Yeah. Didn't get it wow. at all. Yeah, I, I really didn't get it. Um, we were over there uh, fairly recently, two three years ago. Uh, I just, I, I just didn't get it. Now, didn't help by the fact that I got violently ill with food poisoning for five days when we were over there. Um, but yeah, um, I didn't warm to it. I, uh, it was we filmed there in the January, so I just had a Christmas break. I keep trying to come up with reasons as to why I should give it a second chance. Uh, mm. And as a cameraman, you'd think Morocco was literally like a blank canvas, yeah, yeah. you know, because it's beautiful to take shots in and everything. 
I, I just didn't get it. Not for me. I didn't like the. If I see another feckin' tagine for the rest of my life, it'll be too soon. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so that's I, all you I, get given, isn't it? I just didn't get it. It wasn't for me. So that's a country I will not be going back to. Whereabouts in Morocco did you go? Oh, we did a tour. Um, again, it was one of these things where we had five celebrities with us and we were filming their interaction. So we were in Fes. Um, uh-huh. I've, to be honest, I've even forgotten all the names of the places we went to. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not something yeah. I. It just didn't do anything remember. for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it I really didn't. It. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, not for me. What, that's a shame. What about you? I'm. I'm the polar opposite. I loved I love Morocco, love the people, but again, it's it's your experience when you're there. Um yeah. I mean, I had a bad time in, in Mauritania and West Africa, but I would say the biggest place that I was really looking forward to that didn't live up to it was Australia. And and it's really? not the people. The people were amazing. What what yeah. really got me was how how much of a nanny state that country is. That really got to yeah. me. It is so ridiculous. Ridiculous, and you're seeing it now through COVID, but they are so ridiculously over-legislated over there. And you have this thing in your head that the Aussies are are like this, you know, fuck it, I'll do what I want. They're not. They're just like, you know, they're just, they're told to do something and they just do it. And it's... I always you know, thought the Aussies would be like the Irish, you know, I'll feck it, I'll yeah. do it tomorrow. It'll be grand trip. You know, I, yeah. I, I thought we're happy go looking like uh, the amazing people over here in this country, but that's not the case. I've never been to Australia. It's one country yeah, I mean, I'd love to go to, but... Don't get me wrong, the people are lovely. They were, you know, I was welcome with open arms and I've got absolutely nothing against Aussie folk. They were they were brilliant. But it's just the, the government over there are just... God, like zealots. There's, everything is really heavily legislated. Everything. But, it's hard to get in. It's not really hard to get out. You just, <laughs> they want you out. But um, There's two yeah, things I've got shame. to tick off my list now, Bruce. I've got to tick Australia off and the R18. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, honestly, as I said, you, you've got to experience these things for yourself, haven't you? It's like, yeah, you don't, yeah, course, don't believe yeah. what you horses hear. Horses for courses and all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Right, that's all the Patreon ones. Um, okay. Are you all right for time? I am, mate. Yeah, are you? Lovely. Yeah, all good, man. All good. Right, we'll crack yeah. across to How long have we been Instagram, going, actually? About an hour and a half now. Have we? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a time warp, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. The, the wife's going to be knocking on the door here before long. You have to go and get the curry. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're just coming up for half six now. So um, do you want to do another half hour? Another half hour, no, is that great. okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. perfect, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my door's oh, just somebody coming into your... Yeah, it's the pup. Yeah. It's the dog. <laughs> she uh, just wants to make sure I'm brilliant. still alive. Uh, right, so we're across now, folks, onto Instagram. So that's at teapot one insta and I'll leave links for Dave's socials in the vid description or the podcast show notes. Very kind. So first one, Wild uh, Will Will Boyd eighty seven. Who's the biggest drama queen you've worked with? <laughs> oh my god! That, that, unfortunately, that's part and parcel of doing what I do. Um, uh, wow, this is tricky because, because yeah. the, the people I want to see I might end up working with again so I've got to be very careful here um, yeah yeah actually, think about I, the long I, game I, Dave yeah, think about I've the long think game think about this one <laughs> two people who surprised me straight off oh god I tell you uh, there was a remember Sir David Frost Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he he did that looking through the keyhole thing yeah then he had uh, an interview series which I worked with him on 
Oh God, he, he wasn't. He wasn't a, a, a particularly nice guy to the crew. Really? Ah, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was very much him and the oh. cr- uh, uh, and the crew on the next level. So much so, we used to stay in different hotels uh, because our hotel shouldn't be good enough for him to stay mm. in, and vice versa. And then even at lunch times and everything, he'd have to sit on a different table. And as much as you try to have the crack and you know get to know everybody you're working with, because you're all a big team at the end of the day, couldn't crack him at all. Nobody could. Uh, no, mm. I, I, in fact, I'll go as far as to say it's terrible talking about the dead like this. But I thought I, I thought he was a vile individual. But that's my mm. own personal uh, uh, take on him. Another person I was really surprised with. God bless him. Another dead fella, Terry Wogan, mm. a fellow Irishman. Fellow yeah, yeah, Irishman. Yeah. Now I've heard from oh, other no. people. In fairness, I've got to say this. I've heard from other people that he must have been having a bad day. Uh, because other people, uh, colleagues of mine, have worked with them who've said completely the opposite experiences to what I had. Uh, we were filming a, a charity thing he was doing, and he loved his golf. And we were—I'll never forget it. Uh, we were coming out of the hotel fire one morning, and we only had to walk down to the 18th fairway or whatever to do the bit of filming, you know. And he wouldn't. He wanted the limo, uh, and of course, uh, unless there was a limo, he wasn't going there. And a taxi wasn't good enough, and all of this crap. Holy Jesus! I, I just thought, you know, life's no, too short to deal with all this Terry. crap. Yeah, but yeah, but I've since been told he was just having a bad day, you know, which is fair enough. Everybody has an off day, so I'll put it down to that. One guy I particularly took a dislike. You've got me on a roll here now. I know, yes. And another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And another one. Can you remember that bastard? <laughs> one guy I really had a dislike to was another sir, uh, Ian Botham, the cricketer. Really? Yeah, there you go. Don't get a knighthood, folks, because it changes you. What a wanker. Um, he actually had me throw. He actually had me thrown out of a cricket ground. So, and uh, but I got the last laugh uh, because he said I was too distracting with the camera. He wanted to sit there, you know, uh, and watch the, the the cricket match. This was in the afternoon. You know, cricket's the only sport. It, 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 I'm dumbfounded every time I see this. I don't know if it still exists because since I got ejected from the cricket ground, I try and stay away from filming cricket. But it's always amazed me how cricketers can go and get pissed at lunchtime. And then come back and play the sport for the afternoon, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, uh, your man, both of them, he, he definitely had a few. I was annoying him because I was in his field of vision and I didn't want to be there anyway. Cricket's not my thing. Uh, and the more he saw me getting antagonized, the more he sort of went for me anyway. Um, he said, if you're not careful, lad, he said, I'll have you thrown out of here. This was in Durham <laughs> County Cr- uh, Cricket Ground. And I turned around to him and I said, please don't do me any favours. And, <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was I was You're lifted out. by two blokes with me camera, a boot up the arse, get out. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, uh, about, but, you know, in terms of uh, drama queen, that's, that's part and parcel, you know, and, uh, you know, the older I'm getting the, the, the 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 more I sort of just laugh at people who were like that, you know. I have yeah, great yeah, crack yeah. with the, pre- the the presenters over here. And it, it, it's all part of the fluff, you know. No, it, it, you know, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's as, grand. You, as yeah. you get older, you sort of just, you know, it just becomes like water off a duck's back now, really, isn't it? Oh well, absolutely. Can't, can't absolutely. be asked arguing with people. Just people are what they are. So fine, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Scylla Black, by the way, she was a bit of a handful. 
So really? yeah, she, oh yeah, yeah. She she needed her close people around her. So if you were new, like I was when I met her, uh, you sort of had to work on people like uh, Scylla to get in with and that sort of. Crap. Oh my so, god! Uh, 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 so uh, uh, most people that I mention uh, here, I've never worked with them for any long term. It's a day. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, all that yeah. sort of stuff you sort of fleet in and fleet it's out initial, initial impressions yeah so to them in fairness I'm just another cameraman and that sort of stuff and if they're having a bad day or a stressful day you know so be it but obviously I take my first impressions of them away with me because that's all I've got to form yeah, an yeah, opinion yeah. of Geez, Dave, let's let's draw a discreet veil over this topic because next you'll be telling me Santa <laughs> likes kids in, in, a, in the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on to the next one. Um, Motar underscore MA seventy seven. All right, lads, how you doing? If you could re- relive one day from your past, what would you choose and why? Oh, that's a goodie. That's a good question. Holy Jesus! Well, that could work both ways. Uh, 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 does that mean that you messed up something and you, you, whatever you want, you wanted to relive it to try and correct it, or whatever you want, the moment whatever which you want. was so amazing. But well. The amazing moment for me, uh, that that moment singing in Halong Bay, which I was yeah. talking about before on the boat, that was a pretty special moment just off the top of my head. Uh, I, I've been spoiled because of all of the travelling. Uh, you know, I'll finish this interview and I'll think to myself, oh, God, why didn't I yeah, tell him about this? And it's, it's always the way. But... Um, but the other, the flip side of the coin is if I could relive a moment to try and make better, it would be the first time I ever went away on holiday with my girlfriend then. And I was still trying to impress the parents because I was leading up to asking this girl to marry me. Uh, and her parents take quite a bit of impressing. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I, 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 early on, I felt as though there's nowhere near their, me being good enough for their daughter sort of thing. And we were to go away and meet them on holiday in Spain for a week. So mm. there I am and I'm on my best behavior and I'm, you know, giving it all and all the crack and doing everything I could. And the second day we're on the beach in Spain and I'm there with Mrs. Perry. Um, who wasn't Mrs. Perry, just the girlfriend at that stage, uh, and her parents, right? And as we're sat on the beach and I'm doing all the conversation and trying to impress them that I'm the best thing ever to walk into their daughter's life, doesn't the mother-in-law take off the top to go topless, sunbathing? And we're sat on sun lounges oh, no. next to each other. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, man. And, uh, and you've probably gathered <laughs> by this interview so far, Bruce, right? You know, I, I, I'm able to hold me own in terms of conversation like I, I i've spoken with the queen of england princess diana you know I, I i can hold myself in any form of society i can talk with the best and i can talk with the worst of them all right so i'm there at that moment and the mother-in-law's taken off the bikini top to top bathe uh, to sunbathe uh, topless and as she's lying down i'm i went silent and i was just like I can't, I can't believe she's doing this in front of me, you know. And as she's laying down, getting herself comfortable and they're wobbling around, like, do you know what I actually said? All my years traveling the world. Go on. I actually said, smashing tits, Carol. No, no. That's what to I your mother-in-law. Yeah, that, to my mother-in-law. Well, you know, it's a compliment smashing in a way. Smashing tits, Carol. So that, well, you see, very soon <laughs> after that, I... 
very soon after that, I asked them uh, for their daughter's hand in marriage. And wow. uh, I'm not sure they were that happy about it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely one of those moments in my life. You know, if I could relive again, I'd, I might have handled that little situation a little bit better. Has Carol ever brought this up again? No, uh, no, no. It's one of those things. We know it's there. We know it's rumbling around in the background. But we'll, but we'll just leave it be. And we've been on holiday a few times since to get out with them, but oh, no. never gone topless again. Never. Yeah, no. you've never gone to the beach. No. No, no, no. If they're going to the beach, if they're going to the beach, we're going shopping. Good luck. <laughs> nice one. Good question, that. Good question. Next one. Short boy yeah, fat sixty seven. If you wanted to follow a bike with a drone, which one would you pick for both remotely piloted and autonomous? Oh, good question. It is a great question. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to set up any of my drones to try and follow me as I'm riding along with all the different cameras on and thinking about what to say or anything. Uh, but the, the, the drone for that job is the Mavic Air 2S. It's an incredible drone. Um, I used it as a backup drone to my bigger drones, the Inspire 2 and the Mavic Pro 2. But the Mavic Air 2S, and the reason I say 2S rather than the 2, is that the 2S has a one-inch sensor, mm. uh, and as, uh, as well as um, upgraded technology. That one-inch sensor, especially here in Ireland where we get our fair share of grey days, uh, the one-inch sensor on a drone is phenomenal for filming in low light. The contrast, mm -hmm. the richness of the picture is beautiful, and you can whack the ISO up without worrying yeah. about gain, uh, grain coming into the picture. Fabulous. But uh, the tracking device on the 2S is unbelievable. And again, harken back to the way technology has come, as we were talking about it earlier. So Mavic Air 2S. However, uh, you're probably aware that the new Mavic Pro 3 is out, uh, that comes in a few different guises. There's a cine Three version. And a half grand. Stop. A waste of time, waste of money. But this is a bugbear of mine as well. So they've released the Mavic Pro 3, but they haven't released the software to do everything like telling you it's going to do. So to me, that's like going to buy a car and then the dealer saying, oh, and by the way, we'll give you the wheels next March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what is yeah. the point of giving you half? Ridiculous. Half the, Half the drone, stop. Like yeah, yeah, every, yeah. it just winds me up that. But I think the Mavic Pro 3 will do a phenomenal job. Now, the added advantage that has, obviously, is the battery life. Uh, it's reputed to fly for 45 or 46 minutes. In the real world, you'll probably get 35 minutes. But if you're filming yourself on a motorbike and you want to get a plethora of shots riding through some beautiful landscapes in Ireland or wherever you may be, uh, you know, look at the Mavic Pro 3 if you've got a big, healthy bank account, that is, you know. But other than that, the, 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 the Mavic Air 2S is phenomenal. I'd, I'd say Brilliant. Skydio 2, the Skydio 2. It's Legally, you're not allowed. It's not allowed to be flown outside of America, Canada, and Australia. But I know some people that have acquired them. Amazing. Absolutely really? amazing. Honestly, uh, the the Mavic the D, DJ the DJI's just just they're not even on the same level as far as autonomous tracking is yeah. concerned. These Skydios wow. they will literally there's loads of footage of them online and I've seen loads of reviews of people actually trying this themselves, like people on off road scrambler bikes or push bikes 
they literally have the thing lock onto them with a it's a little beacon, it's a little sort of remote that you you put in your mm. pocket, and the drone locks onto that. It's not locking onto you; it's locking onto the beacon that's in your possession. Ah, right. So it's tracking that, yeah. And then this, like a- you can literally ride down through the forest, through trees. You know, like a, a downhill mm. mountain bike track through the forest. Yeah. And this drone yeah, yeah. will follow you through the trees, avoiding everything. Oh, wow. And then it might come up above the forest and then come down. When you come on the other side, it'll loop around. It's got built-in, uh, like a built-in cinematic algorithm. So it knows the best shots to get for what you're doing. It's phenomenal. Oh, wow. Absolutely My- amazing. <laughs> My wife was recently asking what I would like for Christmas, so yeah. <laughs> I must I must investigate that further. That sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I've heard of it, never really looked into it because I've been with DJI all the time. But uh, they, yeah, they, I must check that out now. They will not ship to anywhere outside of America, Canada, or yeah. Australia. But perhaps if you know somebody over in America, Canada, or Australia who could yeah. have it delivered to yeah. them and then sent, maybe that might be how certain people yeah. get around these things. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Your um, email box is going to be inundated with orders know, from yeah, yeah. Skydia. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, they are they are without doubt the best drone out there for autonomous flying, for autonomous right. stuff. But if you want cinematic, the DJI's are the best for the cinematic yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. a question of what you want, really, to be honest. You end up buying okay. two, won't you? But the Skydio is like, the Skydio is a thousand dollars, and then if you want the little beacon and and a few other bits, you're looking at fifteen hundred dollars basically to to get that's all what right. you need. Yeah, it's not bad at all. So, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. That, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I imagine years ago being told that you know we could have a camera flying and following us mm. on a motorbike just by pressing a button. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. And this thing, this sky hundred dollars as well. Exactly. I mean, it literally, it literally reads the environment around it and figures out the best flight path to avoid stuff whilst also getting the best shot of you. It's incredible. I just what- before drones, before drones came out, Bruce, I messed around with radio controlled helicopters and I had models made in America. I'm looking at the picture into- of you right now doing it. Yeah. Ah, yeah, right. Okay. Well, I was into that crack for years. That all sort of went along with my love and addiction of flying full size, as I was talking about earlier. But uh, but I literally I had to remortgage the house to have that model helicopter built yeah. uh, with a, ca- a proper camera gimbal on the front. Ridiculous amount of money, and nearly yeah. every time I went out, there was no such thing as downlink or even being able to take your hands off the sticks. You let go of the sticks, you were you were down. So yeah, and yeah. there was no downlink, so you couldn't see what you're recording. Uh, it was it, it ran on two stroke petrol. You used to get Jeez. ten minutes max flying time, and it was, it was the vibration in the pictures was horrendous. But it was an incredible tool. So if mm-hmm. I mean, I could only have dreamt of drones and the technology we have now. I sound like a real dinosaur. Oh yeah, when I was a lad, you know. <laughs> you don't know how lucky you are. So, <laughs> but it's incredible how quickly this technology has moved on, isn't it? You know, the DJI's only came out. Geez, when was the first Mavic? God, what was that? Um, I'll tell you exactly. Oh, oh, I don't know about the Mavic, but yeah, because the 16? Phantom, when the first Phantom came out, that was 2013. So the Mavic right. came two or three years after that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Unreal, yeah. isn't it? 
phenomenal. So it's not not even ten years, and we're now at no. We, you know, never mind the Mavics, but if you move to to Skydio, the technology that they've got now, that's being used by the military. The military have already weaponized that. Weaponized that. It's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. It's like proper the, proper Terminator stuff. <laughs> the problem is, of course, the more advanced this technology, certainly drone technology, comes the more uh, shut down we're going to be as filmmakers mm. and hobbyists mm-hmm. even, you know, I mean, the restrictions yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of this ge- geofencing everywhere now built into the software, uh, you know, it is becoming a bit of a problem where you can and can't fly it. Oh, you know, it really is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for good, for good reason as well, especially remember that crack, uh, uh, was it last Christmas or the year before at Gatwick airport, somebody mm-hmm. flying mm-hmm. a drone which shut down. So, you know, it's there for a reason as well, I suppose, but, yeah, there's there's a bit of a backstory to that, but um, you know we're I'd not clear is, to go yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's a way above say, our pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have my own theories as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, next one, go Andy on. underscore yeah. C underscore eighty nine. Favorite road to ride in Ireland? Well, this is all over to you. All right. I was on a road uh, last month, maybe six weeks ago, and I, I just didn't even know it existed. Again, we're so, so I keep harping on about this on my channel. We're so spoiled with the roads we have here uh, in Ireland and the scenery. It really is an untapped mecca. I mean, there are still places in Ireland you can go riding and not see another vehicle or a person wow. for half an hour. It's phenomenal. So the answer to your question is this road that I discovered uh, was between Bantry Bay and Ken Mare, and the um, we have lo- lots of passes and uh, everything in Ireland. Um, but the name of this place was called the Priest's Leap. Yeah, and it was like something you see on a Top Gear uh, program. You know, where they're riding around the edge of the cliff, and you know yeah, if anything yeah. goes wrong. By goodness, it was the most beautiful scenery I think I've ever been taken by an island. Uh, so, uh, so it's the road between Bantry and Kenmare, and the area was the priest's leap. In fact, I've started making a folder on my phone of places to go back to, you know, which I stumble <laughs> upon uh, by accident. But other than that, I mean, the national parks again, you, you know, uh, that we have here in Ireland, the Connemara National Park, to me, is the closest to me uh, as to what it would be like to ride your bike on the moon. I just think the landscape, the scenery. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch the Wild West uh, movies, you know, and the Lone Ranger yeah, yeah. and all that crack. And I've had, I don't know if you remember all that scenery back in the Wild West back then, you know, on, yeah, on those yeah. old films. When I'm riding through the Connemara National Park, it's just, it's like that. It's been like being back in one of those old-fashioned Western films. Wow, phenomenal. Seriously? It's phenomenal. And it's two hours from where I live. It's, it, it, it's unbelievable, the scenery we have. And you can bet your bottom dollar you won't see another biker. Well, unless you go over the height of summer, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to make, make a note and go there. Oh, oh man. Yeah, a lot yeah. of those Ford spaghetti Fulcher westerns. Should... Sorry, go on. Say that again. I'm saying Board Fulcher, the tourist board over here. There should be sponsor <laughs> my channel for this. <laughs> um, I would say, hang on, I've got to open the door of the dogs. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work away. Come on, you. In you come. <laughs> the cat, the cat has gone to sleep oh, on her oh, bed on the cat. landing, <laughs> so she's got. Oh, the dog's not happy. No, <laughs> no, she won't do anything about it. Um, I was going to say those spaghetti westerns. A lot of them were filmed in uh, filmed in Spain, weren't they? Sort of, yeah, yeah, central were, yeah, and southern yeah. Spain. Absolutely, yeah. uh, 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 and I think a lot of that came down to um, uh, grants and everything. Ireland had the most amazing thing back in the nineties. You know, there was tax uh, tax free sort of 
uh, I'm, I'm looking for the right word, you know, um, uh, tax incentives uh, is the oh, what, word, to, you know, to come for, over and film. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, and that's why so many amazing films have been shot here. Apart from the incredible landscape, of course, but that that uh, tax uh, break was brilliant. Uh, introduced by the government. Sorry, where were we with that question? Well, we we're off again on another tangent. What's going on? Uh, it's so, part of this. Um, we've <laughs> answered that one. That was Andy C eighty nine favorite road in Ireland. Um, Motor yeah, yeah. ME seventy seven has got another question. He says me again, lads. What's the worst thing to happen on Top Gear that you can say? And you have to rank the lads first, second, third, who's where. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I know that there's a photograph of me out there with the lads from Top Gear, but actually I, 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 I feel like a bit of a cheat because I actually only worked with them for a day and a half or two days. So oh, right. I, was never one of the, I was never one of the regular cameramen on that show. Oh, okay. Uh, 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 so I can't really answer that properly. What I will say is the crack we had in the short time that I was filming with them. They were over in Ireland doing um, one of the Top Gear live shows or, or whatever it was. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, so I was the cameraman on that and the crack was hilarious. In fact, I think the photograph is minus, it's missing the hamster, Hammond, because the crack was... Uh, uh, that found somebody smaller than Richard Hammond. So, the, uh, the, so, so they all had to have photographs of me taken with them and everything. And if, if you see that, it's up on my channel on the Instagram or something. But if you see that photograph of me, it honestly looks like they've cut me legs off because James May and Clarks are so tall. But uh, but the hilarious, they were hilarious down to earth guys. I loved all three of them. Couldn't believe how much they smoked. Right, but uh, 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 chain smokers, but uh, but they were just messes. We had a fierce amount of crack. Uh, absolutely great guys. I couldn't say anything bad. I, I would like to have a beer with them. Definitely, they would. Yeah, I think they would absolutely. be a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant, right. brilliant fun. Next one, Robert Newman, twenty-seven. Hello, gents. Hope you're both well. Cheers, Robert and you. Question for both: If you were going off on a bike to travel for a few weeks. Choosing from Marvel or DC, which superhero or even villain would you take with you and why? Keep up the good work, Bruce. These podcasts always help on the long haul. Wow. Wow. <laughs> There's a question. You go first that's, with that one, Bruce, will you? That's not a world I know much about, to be honest, Marvel and DC. Um, I think, is, is, um, is Deadpool one of them? Is he one of that lot? I, 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 he's about I, the only I, I, one. Him and it. him and Iron Man are about the only two I know. So um, I would say Deadpool, just because it's Deadpool and he's funny. I, I, I love this format because that is some question, isn't it? I, I, yeah. <laughs> just when you think you've got a handle on everything going on here, then a question yeah. like that comes in again. Again, it wouldn't really be my world, but if I was to name anybody, I was fascinated by Wonder Woman. When I was growing up as a kid. <laughs> Why <laughs> so would you have she, Wonder Woman with you, Dave? Oh, listen, she'd be on uh, Linda Carter. That was her name, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. the, the, mm -hmm. the woman who played, oh my God, yeah, I was yeah, obsessed yeah. with that woman. Absolutely beautiful. beautiful. So I'd stick her on the back of the bike any day. Even now, she's probably 70 or 80 now. She'd still come along for the ride. Mate, she's I mean, Wonder Woman. She'll be, she'll be riding it. You'll be sat on the back pillion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry, Robert. It's a bit of a, it's a world that I'm not entirely familiar with, yeah. mate, to be honest. Uh, West Cork Wonder. Can you ask Dave what is his favourite part of the west of Ireland? Has he ridden, oh, you go, has he ridden over the priest's sleep? Well, you just mentioned that, didn't you? Oh, you're joking. That's a bit yeah. odd. 
so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that really it, it harks back to that. The other, because uh, I mentioned within that last question, a couple of questions ago about the priest's leap, I mentioned uh, the passes that we have. There's another incredible route called the Healy Pass. Uh, and it's like one of those things you see, uh, one of those roads you see for, uh, normally in drone shots, you know, on some far-flung place in the world. So the Healy Pass is like one of those big zigzags all the way down the mountain. That's incredible to ride. Uh, and again, very rarely you'll see any other people on there. It's amazing. Uh, the, the, you just the don't think of Ireland Rumble. having roads like that. Wow. Oh, you know, yeah. It, 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 I normally stumble upon them. Uh, and that's why I've sort of created this folder now on my phone, just to screenshot the Google Maps wherever I am, just to go back there on two wheels yeah, rather yeah. than in yeah. four and, and you, you know, take a few days out. So I have a list of my long to do next year. In fact, now that I'm not going to Naples for a pizza anymore because yourself and Chops, <laughs> you're going to do it. I might just Mate, do ride it. Just around do it. Go, 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 go. <laughs> we might we might not get to go for a long time. Chops yeah. Chops has family commitments that at the moment means he very rarely gets to go away overnight. So this is why we end up right. doing these ridiculous rides in one day. Ah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, yeah. You, you enough, know, the plan enough. is to go to Naples, but there's nothing set in stone yet. So fill your boots, just go, go, do your thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where were we? Yeah. Oh, Westcott one day says, and when are you going to join him for a tour of Ireland, Bruce? Uh, next year. I'm coming over next yeah, year. For sure. I will be there. Well, I'll take you around the places we've just spoken about as well. Spot on. You're on. So, Let's do it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll have to do something different to what Richie Vida did. Because uh, because all of the places I have on my list, you know, uh, Richie comes over and blitzes them all within a week. <laughs> I know. I, I, I couldn't believe that. I, was, I saw him at the Wild Bad Weekender and we were chatting and I was saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get back to, um, I can't wait to get back to, to Spain to go and do the Picos. And he's like, oh, I'm going next week. I was like, oh, you dirty bugger. And I was like, I'm thinking of maybe getting a trip into Ireland, but I don't think I'll be able to get over this year. It'll have to be next year. And he was like, oh, I'm going there when I get the week after I get back from, from uh, Spain. I was like, oh, you dick. <laughs> but he did a good job of it. It's good videos. Oh, he did. No, it was fabulous watch. In fact, I said it was the best te television I'd seen in ages. I loved that. And I have to say that the crack you boys had at uh, Andy's house as well a few weeks ago on the oh, live yeah. podcast. I was sat there pissing myself. I, it was like being in the pub with you lads. It was brilliant fun. Brilliant fun. Yeah. They're a good anyway, bunch, those go three. Really good bunch. Yeah. Uh, right, I, next I, question. So go on. I was just going to say, I don't know Chopsy at all. Uh, mm. uh, so uh, obviously I know, I, I know the three of you, the other three. Go on, move on. Ah, he's a nice lad, John. Nice lad. Yeah. Extra Rider yeah. 3. In recent years, with the huge budget cuts and high-low management, bad decisions of the BBC, not to mention recent... Well, this is going to be topical, isn't it? Not to mention recent damaging reputation issues over the last 10 years. Where does Dave see the BBC in 20 years' time, considering the competition from other independent, better-funded channels out there, or YouTube? Oh, Wow. Cool. God, that's a, Future of BBC. In, that's a, <laughs> in 30 seconds. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, cool. That's a, a, a very uh, a political one for me because I'm still involved, obviously, at some sort of, of course, level working of with all of these people. So I've got to be very careful what I say. But what I will say is before we talk at the BBC, I think what has to change and it's inevitable, it, it's going to change, is the licence fee model. 
Mm. Um, you know, when the license fee model was set up to fund the BBC and indeed here in Ireland to fund RTE, I think with the wide variety and all these new channels coming out now and, you know, the scope and the choice that we have as a viewer to watch anything we like on television, the license fee, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think it will be scrapped, but it needs to be remodeled. And I think ultimately that will depend a lot on the BBC's future. Um, the other part of that is that BBC has obviously been a flagship uh, channel to go to for whenever there's a, a breaking news story. Um, mm. And I know last year with the COVID, um, I went to the BBC first. That's my choice, obviously, because I worked for them for so long, I suppose. Uh, but uh, so I think if anything happens, because they've already tried to break up the BBC into different uh, regions. Indeed, uh, they sent everything up to Manchester years ago, where a lot of the mm. stuff is now made out of London. So it could be fragmented even more like that. But I think predominantly it'll become a news service because of the huge scope and the huge amount of other networks we have to watch everything else we choose to watch. Mm. Uh, so I think that BBC will always do what it's done best and hang on to its news service, but be fragmented after that. I think as as a viewer, like f- for me, I mean, I, I have a big bugbear with news and to be honest, BBC is is one of the main culprits in my eyes, just full of shit. You know, I I know firsthand from dealing with stuff on the streets in London, and then I look at what is reported, and it's yeah. utter bullshit. It's utter lies. Yeah. It's politically driven. It's otherwise uh, driven. So I don't I don't well, I don't touch any news anymore. To be perfectly honest with you, but what I for me personally, what I think the BBC shines at and is better head over heels than just about anyone else are your drama stuff. The drama series are just amazing. Um, And um, uh, like the nature stuff. Oh my God. Some of the nature stuff is just incredible. No, no, the Attenborough stuff and everything is just phenomenal. But if there's not a license fee to Mm. fund all of that, I think that's part of, you know, I think it could be made by independent production houses mm. and even if it still gets shown on the BBC but I think to fund that in house if that license fee which has to change it really will yeah. depend on that so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I'd say that obviously they're looking at it but you know very scary times actually for the BBC ahead it's it's such a it's such a it's such a rapid and drastic change in in people's viewing modes and mm-hmm. models and mm-hmm. as you said the funding of it it's just it's mm-hmm. just such a a wide a wide swept fundamental change in how people watch tv it's just not what course, it was is it on top of that even in the independent television sector advertisers are now looking at the power of social media uh-huh. you know yep. they're not advertising on tv as much as they were so mm-hmm. that's all going to change there's going to be a shift there as well so mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge shakeup within five years. Oh, massively, massive. I mean, you most people that I speak to, most people on a one-on-one basis, pretty much turn around and say, I don't really watch TV anymore. I watch YouTube. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's people uh, of, of our generation. And yeah. below, people yeah. below 30, 25, don't watch TV. Yeah. They're, they're on YouTube yeah. watching that all the time. Yeah. 
And it's I, all subscription-based, Netflix, all that sort of stuff. Well, this uh, actually, that, that goes to exactly where I was uh, going with that. I mean, I can't remember the last time I wanted to watch something on television, really, um, uh, unless it's on demand. So I'm watching The Crown at the minute mm-hmm. uh, on on Netflix, and I'm loving yeah. that. But it's that whole freedom of you can watch it whenever you want, on your phone, wherever you Absolutely. are, and all that sort of crap. Yeah, yeah. But of, of course, that's the future. Um, so I don't know wherever it's going. I still hope I'm part of it. I'm not. I'm not but, hanging the camera up just yet. The thing is, for for you and anyone that's involved in the actual making of the content, then you, you're still needed to make the content, are you? Aren't you? It's, yeah, it's just yeah. who's going to fund that. You know, there that's needs it. there needs that's to be it. something there to fund it, doesn't there? That's the thing. That that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all down to. So. Uh, Good question. question. It is very good. And we could sit here, I think, for about another 45 minutes chatting about that, but I'm very conscious of time. Uh, Richard Higgett just has who's Bandit Man. He's got one last question here, which I think we've covered. Can you ask Dave if he thinks GoPro cameras are worth buying given how many issues he's had with them? Well, we chatted about that right at the start. Didn't we? Yeah, absolutely not. Save your money, Bandit Man. Save your money. Don't go with it. And in fact, I know you've had trouble with all of your action cams, Bruce. The mm. best one, the most reliable, and actually not the best in terms of picture quality, was the original uh, DJI uh, action cam. I don't like oh, that yeah. new one. The, the, I don't like the new one they've brought out. There's no cube sound thing. input. Yeah, mm. uh, the, the, the field of vision you can't change, and it's too wide yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, uh, to cover. It's a waste of, waste of time. But the original one they had, that was that was a serious contender. I thought they were going to improve on it, and I was waiting for that new version coming out, but unfortunately, for what my needs are, uh, it wouldn't suit at all. But Do you- don't go GoPro. I, I, I seriously only have to buy GoPros because my clients want them as part of yeah. the kit when I'm doing yeah, yeah. television stuff. Otherwise, I would have ditched GoPro uh, years ago. The the best camera I've ever used for motorcycle stuff, for moto vlogging, was the original mm-hmm. Drift Ghost S. Don't know if you remember that. It, it was no, I don't. It was a camera that was side mounted, and it had a rotating lens here, and you could you could orientate it. Lovely. It had a, a straight three point five mil audio input, which was weather tight. It had interchangeable batteries. It had a little LCD screen on the side, so you could frame your shot. Brilliant. The picture quality was dog shit, but it was it was brilliant for what you needed. And it had a, a massive, big, chunky remote that you could either get around your jacket and it flashed like red when you were recording or, or green when you weren't recording. So you could see it nice and easily. You could Velcro it to any part of your bike. It was brilliant. And I, they asked me to be an ambassador for them. I was like, absolutely. I said, oh, we're bringing out the 4K version of the camera. I thought, happy days, stabilization. Yeah. 60 frames per second at 1080. I was like, brilliant. This is what we need. This is going back years. And it was utter dog shit. It was, they changed it so you couldn't put, the, you couldn't plug the cam, the mic straight in the camera. You had to use an adapter. It was full of, of loads of issues yeah. with firmware. And they just died after that. They just totally died. It was like, well, you were so close. <laughs> I was going to, Actually, I, I was just about to ask you whatever happened to them then, because that sounds amazing up until they released that one. But that, that was the yeah. nail in the coffin for them, was it? They 
they changed hands a couple of times, and I think they yeah. they've pretty much just gone obsolete now because the cameras are dog shit and nobody uh, buys them well. anymore, which is such a shame. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah. Dave. That is two hours, mate. We still got questions on Facebook, but uh, my dog is going crazy. You're going to want to go and get your curry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe I'm we'll do a part two, or we'll just carry this Absolutely. on when we we meet up and ride in Ireland. To- totally up for that. I look forward to seeing you next year, Bruce. Thanks for everybody. Thanks to everybody, rather, for sending in the questions as well. Um, I-, I really enjoyed answering them. Uh, it- it- it's quite nice once in a while to get my brain into gear and to actually think. And I certainly did that over the last two hours. So <laughs> thanks a million for having me on as well, Bruce. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel as though I've had a night out in the pub with you, of course. It's great crack. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all, mate. Before we go, is there anything you feel free to plug your channel or you know, say hellos, whatever you want to do, just fire over to you. I think anybody tuning into this is, possibly knows uh, of my channel anyway, but I, I'll give you my very famous out, which is thanks for watching. I'm Dave Perry, really good TV, over and out. <laughs> right folks um, check out the show notes if you're listening to the podcast look at the show notes if you're watching the video make sure you check out the vid description I'll leave all Dave's links to his, his socials and his YouTube channel everything down there make sure you give him a follow a like a subscribe all of the above alright folks keep doing your thing keep looking after those that you love get on out there whenever you can and live your life woo here here. <laughs>